It is Monday, September 20th. It is Election Day in Canada. Good morning to you. This episode of Real Talk is presented by our friends at Bitcoin Well, proudly headquartered out of Edmonton. Bitcoin Well has Bitcoin ATMs across the country. They're the first publicly traded Bitcoin ATM company in the world. Why do you need a Bitcoin ATM? You have apps like ShakePay. Why do you need Bitcoin ATMs? There's actually some pretty great reasons. I had no idea. I asked the exact same question to them a couple of weeks ago, I was telling you. They're like, it's quicker, it's safer, it's easier. And they're always ready to take your questions as specific or broad as they may be. You can find Bitcoin well under the sponsors tab on our website, ryanjesperson.com. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. It's election day. It's uh, Monday, September 20th. And um, I'm already seeing comments on our chatterbox, as it's called, colloquially. Uh, Those of you that are showing up live to join us this morning, uh, Genevieve says, I've already voted, but I hope that everybody here is planning on it. If they haven't yet, others are you know, letting us know what your plans are today, including getting out and voting. I'm not surprised to see it from this engaged audience. We know that this is an audience that's going to prioritize making sure that you have your say in who's going to form government uh, or maybe who's going to form official opposition or who's going to represent you in your riding. And of course, uh, this week, we're going to be uh, bringing you conversations about how this all played out. We, we likely, I mean, the experts are telling us we likely will not see uh, a result, a definitive result tonight. It may go into tomorrow. We may be you know, making some breaking news announcements with regards to certain ridings uh, during Tuesday's show. And if not, maybe even into Tuesday or, or Wednesday. This due in part to the significant number of mail-in ballots that Canadians requested. And of course, you never know how, how things can go in the course of an election. There could be some pretty tight races Uh, including in writings where real talkers are representing. And so, of course, we're always curious to hear your thoughts as well. You can hit us up on Twitter, our hashtag RealTalkRJ, and you know where you can find us online as well. Our email inbox open 24-7. A bunch of you in touch over the weekend, as a matter of fact, to talk at RyanJesperson.com. We have a panel of Canadian comedians that are going to be joining us a little bit later on in the show. We're looking forward to this in in the context of the federal election, sort of. And we're going to ask them how they're feeling about it. Adrian Fish, Howie Miller, and Derek Sagan will be joining us. Uh, Sarah Hoyles, the producer of the show, they, they've been prepped on this. I know that they're probably not expecting us to get in and say, you know, what 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 are your, you know, I- intimate and 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 most serious and deep digging thoughts on the NDP childcare policy, for example. But do you get the sense that these three are are, are of the politically engaged persuasion? Oh, well, yeah, both Adrian and uh, Derek have been on The Debaters, so they've, which is a CBC show, which is all about, you know, uh, sometimes not seriously debating <laughs> topics and not necessarily serious topics, but uh, they very much are informed. And when I reached out to Derek initially, he said, oh, yeah, I can't wait. I get to, I get to <laughs> dig in and now I'm going to make sure that I'm right on top of things. But I mean, also... 
They're comedians. Yeah. This, so this, hot takes. Here we come. <laughs> it's always interesting when you're interviewing comedians, right? Because you, you just want to say, okay, guys, uh, be funny, please. Go ahead and be funny. And we'll see how it goes. We'll see how the poly talk goes. We're also talking to a Giller prize winning author very much this morning. Looking forward to talking to Ian Williams, who has a new book coming out tomorrow. Disorientation uh, essays that grow out of his own experience as a, as a black man moving through the world. And that conversation is coming up in about an hour and uh, we'll call it an hour and 20 minutes from now. Curious to know where you're landing on Election Day. I, I see that a whole bunch of you are saying, you know, Michelle says she voted this morning, took about 10 minutes. <laughs> Although in the this is a COVID election. Keep in mind, this is a pandemic election. Michelle says it took me about 10 minutes, but people still don't understand what stand on the yellow arrow means. She says, protect yourselves. I know everybody's going to be wearing masks today in the province of Alberta. Today is day number one. Of, of the new uh, the restriction exemptions program, which means that uh, for the most part, bars and restaurants are going to be uh, implementing today their measures to check whether or not your vaccination status will allow them to serve you. And there have been some developments over the course of the weekend, most specifically uh, people pointing out how easy it is to edit uh, or to alter Alberta's vaccine records. The way that it's set up, it's it's an editable PDF. And so people are having a lot of fun, although it's not funny at all. It's actually maddening. Uh, but people are having some fun making up fake vaccine exemption cards. You know what that means? It means that a whole bunch of people are going to make real fake exemption cards with their names on them, names that match their driver's licenses so they can go into establishments unvaxxed, and continue to enjoy those services and, and of course, also at the same time putting people at risk. So we're going to get into this in just a moment. But the lead story today, obviously, the election. And, and you know, people are going to be talking about the campaigns and whose campaign was most successful. And people are going to be talking about what resonated with voters. We wanted to have a little fun with this out of the gates. You've probably heard of the Canadian Stuart Reynolds. He releases videos on social media, pretty hilarious stuff. And uh, he didn't stop. When it came to the election, chiming in, here he is, better known as Brittle Star. Election day is coming up fast. But seriously, does your one vote even matter? Why bother voting? Well, because lots of terrible people vote. That's right. Think of the worst of the worst who seem to benefit off the back of regular people's suffering. The ones who don't care about anyone else but themselves, except maybe their shareholders. They vote, but not only them. The person who cut you off in traffic, they vote. The person who didn't hold the door for you, they vote. Or they're American and just visiting. The person who put up a fuss about wearing a mask, they vote. The people who start sentences with, I'm not racist, but they vote. They all vote. All the terrible people vote. That's why you need to vote. You're not terrible. Probably. I don't know for sure. You might be. If you are, just ignore this video. But if you're not a terrible person, your vote is super important. So vote. Yeah. If you're not a terrible person, please vote. And if you are, you probably know it. And in that case, well, you still get to vote. That's kind of the way it works. The Globe and Mail, the CTV and Nanos collaborated over the weekend. These are results heading into Saturday. This is what Canadians polled. We're talking about when it came to voter intent. And this gives you a sense of what we're looking at today. With regards to the national ballot, this is among decided voters. 30.8% of those polled 
told pollsters that they're going to be voting for the Liberal Party of Canada. That's down a half a point over the last poll. Meantime, 30.5%. So get this, 30.8% for the Liberals, 30.5% intend to vote for the Conservative Party of Canada today. That's up about one and a half percentage points, 1.3. The NDP coming in about nine points behind at 21% of decided voters. That's up just a smidge over previously, the Bloc Québécois looking at about 6.5%. Many are speculating this could be a big election for the Bloc. You know that they're hoping to improve. They'd love to see 40 seats in Quebec. And then the People's Party of Canada pulling just below the Bloc Québécois with 5.6% of decided voters. The Green Party rounding it out at 4.7%. The real horse race today, of course, between the Liberals and the Conservatives. And that includes some ridings in some battlegrounds, including on the prairies. And people are wondering if the Liberals could take back a seat in Calgary. Could they take back a seat or two in Edmonton? It remains to be seen. None of those are, uh, I think, safe to call at this point. Um, there's a couple incumbents, conservative incumbents in Edmonton, Tim Upple on the south side and uh, James Cumming on the north side. And then down in Calgary, it's it's George Chahal, the Calgary city councillor that's attempting to make an inroad for the liberals and take back a riding there. So these are ones that we're going to be keeping an eye on. We're curious to know where you land. Dwayne chiming in, looking into his crystal ball this morning, says tomorrow on Real Talk, Ryan Jesperson. Ryan will be talking about the liberals getting a minority government. And where do we go from here? That's Dwayne's prediction. I suppose we could go to the team here and ask where people are at, where people are landing, what our guts are telling us. I'm going to say that I do think that it's shaping up to be a liberal minority government, but this is what you have to say. You have to offer these caveats, and, and I would say it could just as easily be a conservative minority government. I don't get the sense that either party's in a position to form a majority right now, but I have been made to look the fool before. When it comes to prognosticating about elections, there are some key areas. I mean, Ontario's going to be huge. And we're going to know early the Atlantic provinces, the returns will start coming in first. So this evening when people are watching the live coverage, we'll get a sense of what Canadians on the East Coast have been saying. Do you have a sense, Sarah? I mean, is, is, are, are your spidey senses telling you something in particular about what this result might look like? I'm just I think that it, ultimately it will be Jagmeet Singh with the getting to, you know, push and pull and apply pressure um, as it will be a minority. OK, yeah. Sam, do you have a do you have a clear sense of where this is at? Well, I don't think anybody has a. I mean, it's clear as mud right now. But uh, I I agree with Sarah. It's like we're we're headed to. I mean, it's kind of funny because again, that that sort of confirms that this election is about nothing because we're getting the same parliament we had before. Um, I think the bloc will come out stronger. Uh, it seems like there, you know, there's there's quite a lot of seesawing in Quebec right now. Um, conservatives are actually making a bit of a case for a few ridings in Quebec, but they've been taking a beating in the last couple of days. So I think we're going to see more bloc seats. I think we're going to see more NDP seats, but ultimately another liberal minority, which, you know, as Sarah says before, effectively sort of puts Jagmeet Singh in charge. So both um, of you are thinking that you think that the NDP might improve on last showing. What is it? What, was it something in particular, Sarah, that resonated with you about the NDP campaign here? Do you think Canadians are just getting to know Jagmeet Singh a, a little bit more? Or they're kind of getting a better sense of what he's all about. What to what do you attribute the the suggestion that they could see a bump? TikTok. Yeah. A lot of no, people, yeah, this seriously. is the one where he was sitting in the shower with the... <laughs> I mean, people are, you know, up in arms. Oh, bruh, TikTok. How can, like, if he's popular on TikTok. And it's just like, yeah, if you don't understand it, 
you don't it's not meant for you yeah um i just think that he's yes i think that canadians have gotten to know uh jugmeet a lot better uh he definitely is a a straight talker um as far as politicians can go he's yeah he's he's blunt but he's also charming and uh i think he's got the most charisma out of any of the leaders at this point i mean anime paul also i think really uh established herself in that debate in both debates as a matter of fact yeah. so i don't know i i i really i think that jug meets kind of the i i think the greens are going to get smoked this election oh to be yeah honest with like you. that's and, no and, you know but but i mean but but they wouldn't have told you that two years ago yeah right you win a by-election you have you have better representation in the house of commons you have a new leadership um you know i mean just even the race around it fundraising opportunity awareness opportunity but it just hasn't come together um and it's not to suggest that that ms paul hasn't uh, done everything within her power i think yeah. to like you said be compelling she she was really over the weekend you know, talking about, you know, going back to the if Canadians think that we can move forward while still fracking, still drilling, still. I mean, she was really going at it, um, you know, uttering that, you know, when you start talking about leave it in the ground, you start talking about leave the oil in the ground. You're starting to really uh, speak in clear terms about what your political priorities are, in particular with regards to Canadian energy. Now, whether or not that last ditch effort on her part will catch some attention and win some favor on maybe in the coastal communities, most especially on the West Coast remains mm. to be seen. I'm not sure. I mean, the, the big uh, to state the obvious and, and many of our guests over the past month or so as part of our ongoing federal election coverage have pointed out that the NDP vote tends to be a little bit younger mm -hmm. and the toughest people to get out to the polls are the younger people. You know, so you see Jugmeet saying on TikTok the other day, I don't I, I wasn't on I'm not on TikTok. So, uh, you know, I, I don't totally get was. But there's this thing, this trend. What is it called? Like the emotional shower or something like this. I sound like a guy that's trying to figure out how to set the time clock on his VCR. But here's Jugmeet Singh holding an election sign, sitting in a, you know, like a hotel bathroom or sitting in a shower just with the water coming down on him, just staring into the camera. Everybody's going, you know, is, is this prime ministerial? Right. Is this PM material? You know, some guy sitting in the shower getting rained on like, you know, what on earth is this all about? And then people in the know go, well, yeah, you're indicating that you have no idea what's up with this type of messaging. And and young people, this is what resonates with them. Now, the key is how do you get somebody that's 18 to I don't know, 18 to 30? Well, I mean, when, when, when you, in the context of elections, when does young people stop? 18 to 30 is probably young people. The 31 year olds listening right now are like, fuck you, man. But 18 to 30, how do you get them to actually show up at the polls today? That's the question. You know who is going to show up, right? The 76 the, the year old that's ticked off about whatever. That, and they've got time, right? That person's got lots of time and that person's going to show up every time. The 22 year old, probably not. And that's just I mean, that that's what track records tell us. But the NDP will be hoping to change that today and hoping to mobilize that vote. So I, I've been chuckling at some of the tweets I've been seeing from people pointing out the, you know, the social media posting. And don't let anybody crack on you for your post today. Show your photo. Show the fact that you voted. Show yourself with a photo outside the polling station yeah. not in the booth but outside the polling station. Don't let anybody shame you. It's like first day of school photos with the kids. We want to see them. 
But there's also the point that the only people following election hashtags today are the people that don't need to be reminded to go out and vote. Mm. If you're following election hashtags, you're not forgetting to vote. And so shout out to everybody that is. Uh, We'll be talking about this through this morning. In just a second, we want to get into talk about vaccine passports. But before we do, we want to remind you about an amazing event coming up in our home city. This next weekend, this coming weekend, presented by Explore Edmonton for the first time and maybe the only time. We're lucky. Canada was lucky to get Rugby Sevens this year. And in particular, Edmonton landing this one-off stop because the UK was unable to accommodate this amazing festival-like event. The 2021 series kicks off in Vancouver, then Edmonton at Commonwealth Stadium on the 25th and the 26th of September. If you've never seen Rugby Sevens before, incredible. Seven players per side, seven-minute halves. It's dynamic, it's high-octane, and of course, it's great for anybody. Whether you love rugby, whether you've never been to a game before, this one is worth checking out. As you can see, everybody's all costumed up. Everybody's having an absolute blast. Get your flags ready. Get your friends together and check out Canada7s.com. That's where you can find your tickets to Rugby 7s in Edmonton, presented by Explore Edmonton. The following paid advertisement does not necessarily represent the views of Ryan Jesperson, Real Talk, or Relay Communications Group Incorporated. It's time for a fresh perspective. Edmonton deserves a leader who will work for you and with you. Someone who understands the strengths of our community to do things better and faster. Cheryl Watson has built her career on results, not promises. She is the right choice for mayor. On October 18th, vote Watson for mayor. And together, let's build a city that works. This paid advertising is sponsored by the team to elect Cheryl Watson as mayor. Our friends at Friesen Brothers want you to know that right now is a perfect time to fill your freezer for 44 years. A tradition, the Alberta Beef Roundup at the Friesen Brothers, 16 of them across the province. That's right. From the 10th to the 23rd of September, you got three more days. You can get your hands on a whole hip of fresh Alberta beef custom cut by your in-store butcher just the way your family likes it. Roasts, steaks, stewing cubes, even ground round, you get to choose how your in-store butcher prepares it. Custom cut for you. It's the tradition. The Alberta Beef Roundup with Friesen Brothers. Alberta grown and Alberta owned. As mentioned, today is. Are, are people have people never heard political advertising before on a show? People are kind of um, what? I'm getting a lot of what just happened. Yeah, um, yeah. What that, just that, happened? That's called a political advertisement. Those happen around elections, and we, of course, let you know that that is a paid political spot. We sell advertising on the show. That's how it happens. Today is September 20th, which means that the vaccine passport goes into effect here in Alberta, better known as the Restriction Exemptions Program. Now, this is one that falls really on the shoulder of small business owners who will now be checking whether or not you are double vaccinated to meet the criteria to come on in to their establishments. We are seeing some businesses say we're not doing it. We're not participating, which means they're not open for business and there will be implications. Alberta's health minister talked about this a number of days ago. The fact that the government recognizes that these passports, they're not calling them that, but they're editable PDFs. 
They're editable PDFs, which means that people are messing with them. And we started seeing that over the weekend. We wanted to give you a couple of examples here. This was one from Dr. Dan Sugar, who said, considering the PDF is editable, it was very easy to do this. It took me literally 43 seconds. And Dr. Dan created an Alberta COVID-19 immunization record for Facus McFakeface, showing that Facus is double vaxxed and ready to enter bars or restaurants whenever they like. Of course, everybody started to have a little bit of fun with it if it wasn't totally ticking them off. And we saw some others chiming in as well. This one from Jody Miller, who says in 30 seconds flat, I edited, saved and printed this. <laughs> Do we say exactly? Jody spells it out using Adobe Acrobat DC. People are like taking notes right now. OK, uh-huh. uh huh. Jody says since a QR code was not used, there's no going back. Now that these easily editable cards are out there. Derek Fildebrandt, who's the publisher of the Western Standard, a right wing independent media outlet, pushed this out which I don't think is great, Derek. He says, hey, look, a blank Alberta vaccine passport. This doesn't fall in the shortage of Fildebrand. It's not his fault that the government has rolled out something so preposterous with more holes in it than Swiss cheese. But of course, he's pointing out that people can simply punch in their own information and there they have the passport. The health minister knew that this could happen. As a matter of fact, last Wednesday, so five days ago in speaking to reporters, this was Tyler Shandro. And we realize that this system is imperfect and some people may choose to abuse the system, but unfortunately this is unavoidable. And that's why in the coming weeks we'll be introducing a QR code that will be a much more secure format. It will be downloadable sim similar to the, um, the uh, uh, similar version that's being done in British Columbia. Of course, Manitoba is one example um, of uh, a province that is actually sending out plastic cards about the size of a driver's license. They have a QR code on the back, which provides the security and the ease of use for a restaurant that I would imagine love to just scan this and move on. It's not just restaurants, but I think that this is where most people are going to find this coming into play. A whole bunch of you chimed in with us, uh, and uh, that includes Mark, who sent us this email yesterday afternoon on Sunday. He's Patreon supporter Mark. a boy, Mark. He says, I want to thank you for the real talk we get every day. I'm, I just wanted to throw out a question that he says, I, I, I think I have the answer, but I, I just have trouble believing it. Says Mark, if a government introduces a vaccination passport program to keep businesses open and to keep vaccinated people safe, then allows an editable vaccination proof of record that can be forged and not requiring employees of the business to be vaccinated. Is that incompetence or is it deliberate to placate a minority base? How are we safer and how does this protect the majority of Albertans? Mark says, I know that you're going to get a whole bunch of great trash talk submissions about this situation. I'm just so astounded with the level of inhumanity this government is shown toward the ill and dying when it comes to COVID in our province. That from Patreon supporter Mark. It's an interesting question. Is it incompetence or is it a deliberate move to placate a minority base? Now, Mark doesn't go so far as to suggest that he feels like he might be a conspiracy theorist, but, but I think that that's actually a fair question to ask. I think that a lot of people, myself included, are in a position where you wouldn't put anything past this government. Well, I think Tyler Shandro said it like he actually said, hey, just so you know, this isn't perfect. People will 
you know, make hay while the sun shines. So he basically said, you know, it's open season. Go for it. This, we've designed it for you. In other words, that was kind of the dog whistle in a way. Yeah. It, the, the health minister could have gone so far as to say, we know that it's an editable PDF and that all people really <laughs> have to do is get into the file, erase this, control shift, command L, post, print. You should have done a webinar. Yeah, like, so this is how you edit <laughs> so a this PDF. Is, so this is, this is how we know some people are going to do this. <laughs> yes. uh, we don't suggest it. Tiana says the forgeable passport and still paying the $100 incentive after introducing it is just wow now the government has announced they were pretty proud of themselves over the past few days that vaccinations are up um, after introducing this restriction exemptions program they're pretty proud of themselves for that and I know a lot of people are saying well yeah uh, that was kind of the idea that was what everybody was saying is that if you did have a vaccine passport program in place it was gonna it was gonna sort of really give a shot in the arm to these vaccine rates and that is happening now every single person that gets vaccinated all the way through to mid-october is still going to get that hundred dollars um i i look at that as um my my friends my entrepreneurial friends have described to me the concept of sunk cost where you you, you can't let your decisions be made entirely based on what you've already spent on something you need to be able to walk away this to me is a sunk cost the 100 per vaccination and so that's something that alberta made a commitment to the government did and that's something that they'll be paying out and i suppose the more people that get vaccinated the better the argument that it was worth it because if the numbers bump up to 80 or 82 or 85 percent then people will say well there you go and ultimately that's a good thing whether or not it'll be seen in hindsight as a, as a an astute expenditure remains to be seen I suspect we know exactly where most people are going to land on it. If you pay any attention to social media, you know exactly where most people are landing on it. They don't like the idea. We can't talk about vaccines without touching on a tweet from one of Canada's most well-known country music artists. Um, Paul Brandt is an extremely popular Alberta-based singer-songwriter, a former registered nurse, as a matter of fact. His dad was a paramedic, too. And Paul Brandt tweeting, over the weekend, quote, an Alberta doctor told me there's no medical need for me to be vaccinated as a covid recovered person. I'm not an anti-vaxxer, he says. Does anyone else who has immunity from prior covid infection feel unseen? Says Paul Brandt, I have questions. And then he, uh, he says, I have questions. Join the conversation on Facebook. And so he's kickstarting a conversation on Facebook where, where all evidence informed conversations happen, driven by country music stars. It's a great place. Uh, it prompted a response. And by the way, I love Paul Brandt. Like I was actually my feeling on this. I'll get to I want to tell the story first before I really get into it. But my, I was I was like the parent when you get in trouble at school and your parent comes home and you're like, are you mad? And they're like, mostly I'm just disappointed. I'm disappointed. I, 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 I didn't I was going to take a big swipe at Paul Brandt over the weekend because I quite like Paul Brandt. But at the same time, what the hell, man? And so he says, you know, an Alberta doctor tells me there's no medical need for me to be vaccinated. Well, a whole bunch of Alberta doctors and doctors from across the country started responding, including Dr. Angie Rasmussen, who said a, a, a virologist in Saskatchewan. That's who she is, by the way, huge following. I mean, COVID has just she's got a quarter million people following her. A virologist in Saskatchewan is telling you otherwise. Vaccination has clear benefits. For recovered COVID patients, please get vaccinated. Well, there's a good news follow-up to this story. 
It turns out that Dr. Rasmussen, Paul Brandt, and his wife Liz were able to connect uh, over a Zoom call. And the good doctor followed up yesterday with a tweet. I just had a wonderful Zoom call with Paul Brandt and his brilliant wife, Liz. Very positive. The wording of it is very positive. Dr. Rasmussen says it's an honor and a privilege to have the opportunity to answer questions about vaccines and public health. Thank you to Paul and Liz for being so open minded and thoughtful and great company. And although the context of all of this was very frustrating, I have to say that really filled my bucket. That one there to see that that the, the anger, the angst that was directed to Paul Brandt. And at the same time, the fact that his message was celebrated by a whole bunch of people, too, like a boy, Paul, right? You know, you know, and talking about how vaccines don't work and 5G and spaceships and Invermectin and Hillary's emails and all the things they all loved that Paul Brandt was chiming in on that. But I was really encouraged that people were able, in, in this case, Paul, his wife and the good doctor to come together in what sounds like a pretty positive conversation now, I hope that she I hope that there was some like subtle scolding. I hope there was like, you know, Paul, you do have a huge platform and a lot of people listen to what you say and care about what you say. And maybe next time, you know, I'm sure that there was a little bit of that. But I was kind of encouraged by it. You guys. Yeah, I think in our conversation with uh, Kaylin Robertson last week about right being, you know, alt right and getting saying that ultimately you can't come down on people and tell them you know, be angry at them and <laughs> scold them and make poke fun at them. You need to just, you need to meet them and have um, open conversations. So to me, I feel like that is, that is the way to make it through the misinformation, the disinformation. Yeah. Sam. There we go. There's my mic. Uh, I mean, the internet is a cesspool of bad information and people yelling at each other. Um, I thought the whole thing was weird. I actually really wondered why the original tweet had this gorgeous photo of him in a field like that mm-hmm. had anything to do with anything. But well, tweets with photos do better. Well, I guess so. Yeah, that's true. Juice the algorithm. But no, it's like very often do you have people actually just say, well, let's just talk about this. Let's let's figure out. Let's hear you out. Let's just like it would be so easy for people to put their fists up and retreat into their corners on this one. And they didn't. And so, um, you know, I mean, maybe this is a testament to the fact that Paul's nurse. He's open to hearing new information. He's open to hearing new science. So it's, you know, I, I agree with you. Good news story all around. Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting, too, when you, we start talking about it, you go, well, he was a pediatric nurse. Like, wh- what's he doing? Why is he doing this? And then you, you recognize that not all healthcare workers are vaccinated right now. That's worth pointing out. And I think it's important to point out not all paramedics are vaccinated. Not all firefighters are vaccinated. Not all police officers are vaccinated. Not all transit drivers are vaccinated. These are conversations that people continue to have over what can greater society expect? What can employers, whether they're private employers, union employers, government employers, what can they legally implement? What puts employers susceptible to court challenges? Right. But to say, well, he's a pediatric nurse, he should know better. It was amazing uh, in, in sort of a heartbreaking way to see so many people working in healthcare chiming in and saying, Paul, we are slammed right now. I mean, in particular, a former pediatric nurse himself, Paul Brandt. I mean, we know just one hospital in particular. This is just one example. The Stollery Children's Hospital in Edmonton right now has 75% of its beds right now locked off and dedicated to adult COVID patients. 
That means that children that are experiencing pain, discomfort, injury, in many cases have roadblocks in the way of them being admitted to hospital and being able to access hospital resources. I mean, what more do you need to say about that? We got an email. Tyler, the tired nurse, has been in touch with us over the course of several months. Through the pandemic, Tyler's been updating us. I've read a couple of his emails on the air, and, and, and more of them have simply informed us and allowed us to understand behind the scenes. That, of course, dictates a lot of our editorial direction. The emails from you, most especially when we can verify that you are who you say you are, really assist us in bringing you the most on-point content possible. And Tyler, over the weekend, sent this in on Sunday night, as a matter of fact, said, you know, having dealt with anti-vaxxers, anti-mask protests of the past several weeks, I thought it might be beneficial for real talkers to really understand what an ICU stay looks like. You hear that people are in ICU, more than 250 Albertans in particular in ICU. That's higher than at any other point in the last 18 months. Right now, the most Albertans over the last 18 months now in ICU. He says this is not meant to scare anti-vaxxers. It's meant to terrify you. He says if, based on triage protocol, if an ICU team decides that you'll actually be able to access treatment, he says, guess what? He says, as has been said on Real Talk before, vaccination status is a predictor of survivability. And so if you are admitted into ICU, they're going to place a breathing tube through your vocal cords. This for people that are eating breakfast right now. This is going to be a tough one because Tyler, Tyler, the even more tired nurse gives us a really clear picture of what happens in the ICU. This is real talk. So maybe put down your shreddies for a second. He says, they're going to place a breathing tube through your vocal cords after they sedate you. And if you're close to death already, they're not going to give you any sedation because you're already unaware of what's going on. There really are doctors like Dr. Darren Markland, the real talker between you and death. Now, the team of, of registered nurses and respiratory techs and doctors are going to try to to oxygenate your Swiss cheesed pulmonary beds. But guess what? COVID has already attacked a lot of them. So they're going to try to flip you on your stomach to help you breathe. But meantime, of course, you need to eat. So somewhere along the way, they're going to place a feeding tube into your nose. And then a dietitian will figure out how much to feed you through that way. And he says, now imagine getting nutrition pumped into your stomach. Here's where it gets really gnarly. What goes in must come out. So you're either going to absorb the tube feeds or you're going to puke it out or shit yourself. He says, and don't forget about your blood pressure. You may also be in shock, low blood pressure. So that's where the ICU team is going to start medicating you from a large IV that most often will be inserted into your neck. These medications like epinephrine or, or, or norepinephrine will shunt all the blood from your extremities in the higher doses. They could cause such pressure on peripheral blood vessels. You could even be at risk of losing a limb. Now, during all of this, of course, there's a dedicated team of professionals trying to mitigate everything I've just talked about. These are the same people that have been accosted, assaulted and bullied, and they've been doing it for 18 months and they're tired. So why am I writing in, says Tyler, the even more tired nurse, because I'm begging you to please get vaccinated, to put on a mask. COVID is real and it doesn't care about your freedom or whatever the premier thinks, and it's going to keep killing people. If we don't start taking it more seriously, that from Tyler, the even more tired nurse taking us behind the curtain, so to speak, into an ICU. There's something to think about. 
I never want to come onto this show as a pessimist and say, if you're not vaccinated by now, I don't think that people are going to get vaccinated. I do still think that these conversations, including one with Dr. Angie Rasmussen and Paul Brandt, could indicate to us or could give us reason to believe that conversations, that calm interactions, that respect, empathy can still go a long way in getting us to the goals that we're trying to get to, which means a majority vaccinated society. We're going to talk federal election in just a second with our panel of Canadian comedians. Quickly, I wanted to remind you that the team at Westworld Computers is hiring. That's right. In Daryl's words, he's the second generation of the family that's owned and operated this independent shop for more than 40 years. They're looking for the next gen of the pirates of Silicon Valley Edmonton chapter. So if you're somebody who doesn't fit into that big white box, you, you think a little differently, you have a passion for tech, and most particularly all things Apple, Daryl and his crew would love to hear from you. Whether your strengths lie in sales, teaching, fixing broken stuff, marketing, or customer service, you can email employment at westworld.ca. Make sure you let them know that you heard about this on Real Talk. It was my honor and pleasure to hang out over the weekend, a check presentation at a Northwest Edmonton Dairy Queen for the Wakotuin Society. Thanks to that Every Child Matters, Every Cone Counts initiative through August. We've told you here on the show nearly $23,000 raised. This is a team that cares about community. They reiterated that over the weekend when I was talking to Michael and Mark and Michelle. They do just such a great job. They're pretty excited about the pumpkin pie blizzard, the pecan pie blizzard. Both of them, of course, through fall, available for a limited time at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. That's Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. When you hit that drive through when you order at that counter, you let them know you're there because you're a real talker. Well, we won't know the results quite likely tonight of the federal election, but what we do know is that it's had a lot of people talking, maybe unlike any other election, with Canadians being told it's the most important and significant time we'll go to the polls since World War II and others still trying to figure out why we're there in the first place. We've been working on compiling a roundtable that we think will lighten the load a little bit for those of you that are all talked out when it comes to politics. A different approach to campaign breakdowns. Adrian Fish is based out of Toronto, a comedian that's recorded four nationally aired TV tapings, including her most recent at Just for Laughs, airing on Comedy Central and Crave TV. My good pal Howie Miller has been making audiences laugh for more than 20 years. He's performed at all the major Canadian comedy festivals festivals including in winnipeg halifax and of course montreal's just for laughs festival and Derek sagan is a stand-up comedian out of montreal it performed at the prestigious invitation only just for laughs festival an impressive six times to the three of you thanks so much for making time for us this morning a good morning to you adrian it's kind of a personal question in a way but have you already voted today or do you intend on voting today um, yes, of course, I intend on voting and uh, I haven't voted yet. I'm voting around, I think, uh, one or two o'clock is when I'm meeting a couple pals to to go do the deed. So you're doing it with your friends. Is this something that's kind of a tradition for you guys? You make make a bit of an outing of it? Um, I wouldn't say it's a tradition, but I have got a few pals who kind of live in the same area. So we we're just thinking it'd be pretty fun to or, you know, not fun, but it would uh, it would just get 
everyone to the polls. So let's do this. Yeah. Howie, how about you? Is, is, is election day significant to you? Would you describe yourself as politically engaged? Uh, I don't uh, plan on voting at all. If you want to discuss it more, you can go to HowieMiller.com or my Instagram or my Twitter or <laughs> thank, my Facebook. Thank you, Howie. Just drive uh, uh, all the conversation to my other social media platforms. I'm the second coming. If you'd like to talk more about it, please visit me on Facebook. Howie. We'll talk are, more about it there. Are you really not voting at all? You don't care? Uh, look, you guys have screwed up my land long enough, and uh, nothing I can do can change that. So, but uh, yeah, no, I'll, guys. I'll throw my two cents in. Uh, maybe the rest of you entitled guys will smarten up and figure out what you're doing with my land. But uh, until then, yeah, I'll I'll uh, I'll take a piss in the pot. Uh, Derek, <laughs> is that a fair assessment, Derek? How he sounds like my 74 year old neighbor. Get off my land. Get off my property. <laughs> uh, fair. So listen, I guess it's uh, we can let uh, how we how we be angry. It's that time. It's 2021. It's a good time. I, I just like this panel. It's like, wow, this panel. The three of us are really known for our genius and political astuteness. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. seems like the diversity uh, angle was a lot more important in the uh, construction of this panel than uh, actual political. Let's get the you know you know what no we need somebody has to be gay we need a girl for sure. Thank you, Adrian, for checking off both those boxes. Uh, wait, wait, wait. We have to have a native person. Come on, get a native person, and then maybe uh, the French are always complaining. Let's get one of them. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I do plan on voting, but probably we had, wrong. I'll probably vote wrong. We, uh, we, we obviously <laughs> fucked up because the, the whole point was to, to tech, tick all the boxes on diversity, but do it in such a subtle way that nobody would be able to point it out. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, but Derek, seriously though, I mean, Quebec, you know, you're, you're, you're talking here to an audience, a national audience, but but with strong representation in Western Canada, you know, a lot of people are going to be paying attention to the province of Quebec and how it votes. It has a huge say in how federal elections swing. Uh, I, I realize because we have a lot of people. I don't know if you know this. There's a lot of people here. Uh, and uh, one of the things uh, which is in the last election, why I voted for Justin Trudeau uh, was uh, he promised parliamentary and electoral reform. Uh, so that we would be better representative quantitatively and things. Look at me sounding all smart. That's a big freaking word. I don't know if you guys know that. That was pretty big. <laughs> uh, but he didn't do it. So I'm like, I try to be, uh, I try to be optimistic that uh, Justin is still as earnest as uh, as he was when I voted for him last time. But he let us down on a lot of on a lot of fronts. I know there's one front uh, that Howie would be more sensitive to too. That he promised that all of the native communities that didn't have clean water would have them fast, and uh, we didn't hit it. There's still. In fact, he has, you know, there's many communities that do now have clean water, but in the time since those promise, there's more community that have ended up with not cleaning water. You know what I mean? So say we started out with 80 that we needed to get at uh, and they, they fixed 30. Well, in that time, 15 more were added that, you know, and that's federal thing. They're tousing like, okay, sorry guys, you're gonna have to, we're gonna have to dig a ditch here and that's gonna poison your water, but uh, there's diamonds or whatever. I don't know what, I don't know what we're digging out of there, but. 
so I, I, I don't know who to vote for anymore. Honestly, they say all kinds of shit that don't actually happen. The, this last campaign, all I was seeing from all the party is not anything about what they're going to do. It's all, oh, this guy, he's an asshole. Look at him. He wants to give guns to abortionists or whatever. And then, <laughs> like, this, oh, look at him. More, look at his hair. He's a loser. We can't let that hair be the prime minister. The, I actually <laughs> kept this card from the uh, the whatever the PPC there, the Parti Populaire, the the People's Party, because uh, I was not not that I would vote for these libertarian Unabomber <laughs> friggin' forest living weirdos, but <laughs> uh, they actually in their advertisement talk about what they're gonna do. It's the only political propaganda that I saw that doesn't shit on the other guy and actually say this is what we plan on doing, and it you know it's very. Like we're gonna basically just said we're gonna take a rational approach to COVID uh, environment. We're gonna reject alarmism and focus on concrete improvements using common sense policies. They're just basically saying all politicians are crazy and extreme, and we're not gonna we're just gonna ignore all the things and uh, try to get rich. Yeah, I, I, but at least it's honest. At least they're honest about it, uh, Adrian. It looks like you don't totally believe what you're hearing there from from Derek. I mean, well, the People's Party, they, I mean, they they don't really believe in climate change. So, um, yeah, I, I would uh, I would maybe advise against them. Um, but, you know, I guess it's true that they are they're they're forthright in what they want to do. Um, so I, that's where they get credit, I suppose. Um, but how, in terms of their policy, nah. Yeah. How are you like you and I have known each other, I think, for about 15 years now. And uh, and you've always had for people that I mean, I know a lot of people have, will be very familiar with you and will have seen your stand up specials. Um, they've seen a, a lot of the, the amazing work that you've done as well on, on more scripted television programs, uh, your improv stuff. And you, you have always I've known for more than a decade because I've seen it time and time again, have, have used humor and, and quite biting humor to force people to think about issues that are important to indigenous people in Canada. It's been a, a very serious year on that front with regards to a national conversation. Do you sense, I mean, whether, you know, you base um, your answer on what you saw from, uh, you know, the campaign trail or election platforms, do you get the sense that the issues are actually resonating with Canadians? And do you get the sense that things are in a position where we might see changes? I mean, where's your head at considering the last six months or so? Well, okay. There's a, that's a that's a big question. There's uh, still uh, the number is growing. There's over six thousand um, graves of dead Indigenous children. That uh, let's have an election and let's just push that aside for now. Derek was talking about the water. Uh, the the communities that have clean water now, they did that for themselves. The Liberal government voted down when it came down to it to uh, to, to budget the money after he promised to. Uh, uh, get clean uh, drinking water. They voted it down, actually. So the communities that have uh, clean drinking water now, they did it for themselves because they had to. Uh, so it's, you know, I love I love my country. I love my country. I've said this so many times, but it's just a kick in the balls when it feels like my country doesn't love me. And, uh, you know, this election, you know, I say jokingly that I'm not going to vote. I have a voice. And if the only way I can use it is voting. Well, yeah, I'm going to vote, but what the fuck? Look at my choices. Like what, where, like Alberta is a shit show right now. Like it is ridiculous. I'm locked down. Like I'm on the fourth moon of Yavin. I don't know if you can see the background here, but there's an X-wing fighter with my name on it. I'm fucking off. Cause yeah. this is bullshit. Like, 
I just feel like uh, like the rest of the country must be looking at Albertans going, you guys are like, what? how much Trump is in there? Like, did Trump like inject you with his semen when he grabbed your Alberta pussies? Like, what the hell? A lot of us have been doing that for many years before this year, though, Howie. <laughs> I just ignore it, though, right? <laughs> I uh, I'm I I'm almost nervous to ask how the rest of Canada is viewing Alberta right now because I think we all know the answers. Uh, Derek officially becoming the first real talk guest to light a smoke mid interview. You're almost probably. I wish I if I had a cigar with me right now, we might fire it up right now just to sort of mark the end of four straight weeks of campaign coverage. Adrian. Uh, I don't even smoke. This is just a tribute to Howie and his people. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your gifts. Do you I have guys... a blanket? I have a blanket for you oh, if you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> real talk. Real talk. <laughs> this is real talk. Uh, I, I was going to say to the three of you, please feel free to say whatever you like. But I think that we're already past that <clears> point. <throat> so just keep it up. Adrian, Adrian, in all seriousness, when people are looking, uh, for, you know, whether you're coming to us from Toronto or whether, you know, people on the West Coast or wherever, um, Howie, I think, is bang on in his assessment of of Alberta's state right now which is a full-blown tire fire uh what do you make of of what you're seeing in the province of alberta adrian and, and do you think that it might impact national attitudes when it comes to how people vote today yeah well i hope it does um i mean i'm not a big fan of the conservative party so um yeah it's a dumpster fire right now over there it's fucking crazy what's happening i was actually in edmonton um for a comedy festival uh the grindstone comedy festival shout out um <laughs> in early july and i got to the airport and i you know i'm fully masked and uh one of the comedians who was picking me up was uh wasn't masked and i was like can i take this thing off and she's like oh yeah yeah no one's no one's wearing masks here there's only like one case of COVID. And I was like, what the fuck? So uh, that's not true, actually. I think there was like 120 or something. But yeah, it was down to uh, Alberta was doing pretty good. And then, you know, the, the restrictions started lifting. It was like I was back to normal at the beginning of July. Um, uh, so I wasn't surprised to see uh, the cases kind of go up because it was pretty irresponsibly um, the restrictions were pretty irresponsibly lifted. And I think that has a lot to do with with Kenny. Um, and so, yeah, I hope this is a reflection on the conservative party at large. And I hope people do consider that. Derek, is anybody in Quebec paying attention to what's going on in Alberta right now? If you talk to people in Eastern Canada, they say, you know what the truth is, Alberta wants to think that people talk about it more than people actually do. What do you think? I think that's probably true, but we don't ignore. I mean, we I can't speak for uh, for eight million people, but uh, being somebody that does travel around the country regularly, I kind of keep my eye open on what's going on. Uh, I, actually, the last place I was able to fly was to Calgary because uh, yeah. back in October, that it was like, Adrian's talking about July. Back in last October, Al Alberta was like, no, I'm pretty sure we're done. I'm pretty sure we're done. Open it up, bring everybody in. <laughs> Even the dirty Quebecois guy is allowed in. Bring that guy in, which like people should have always been reticent of letting me into their place. I, <laughs> I was probably transmitting things way before COVID started. Uh, but, uh, uh, and that was, <laughs> yeah, I get that. I leave Montreal full mask. I see everything, which a four hour flight, by the way, is not pleasant when you're a heavy smoker with the mask for four hours. Like I'm stuck with friggin' seven, you know, those seven smokes you pump in before going into the airport stuck now in my mask. I'm like, Ugh. 
But three hours into the flight, it kind of gets good. It's like, mm, oh, there's some cigarette in there. I started licking the inside of my mask. It's like it's the smokes and and I was I was out for tacos last week with a pal and and put the mask on right after eating Mexican food. And for about the next week until I finally broke down and washed the mask, I was reminded. I was reminded of those tacos every single time I'd put the mask on. It was really holding it there. It was quite an experience. Yeah, the, as that's as a person that's worn a beard for a long time, it's like uh, this is corn on the cob season here in <laughs> Quebec. You can't have see. You have to go have a shower after you corn on the cops. No, you just got that smell of butter in your mustache for the next four hours. I got to get rid of it. So How I'm used to having. Howie, didn't you quit smoking a little while ago? Am I remembering correctly? I seem to remember you talking about that. Yeah, last uh, last I think the first lockdown, it was like, what's the point? I can't go outside. I don't want to go buy them. Yeah, uh, I'd like to thank Derek for the smallpox, too. Um, <laughs> also, yeah, wearing a mask like you got to clean that fucking thing like it's an orifice. Your mouth is just it's, it's dirtier than your ass. You clean your ass better than you clean your mouth. So have a new mask like Ginch, like put it on new new pair uh, once a day or twice a day. Christ's Dirty, sake, I mean... Dirtier than your ass. What the hell I are mean, you doing God, with your Howie, mouth, Howie? You, Jesus. Are you flossing your asshole, Howie? I floss my ass. I toothbrush my ass. Oh, nice. Cool, cool. This is uh, a different election day coverage than you'll find anywhere else, folks, right here on Real Talk with the wildly hilarious Adrian Fish, Howie Miller, and Derek Sagan. Uh, Derek, Aaron's watching us live, uh, and, he, and he's calling you the great, the goat of the debaters. He's calling you the greatest of all time of, of, the de- <laughs> of, the, of the debaters. Would anyone on the panel like to take Thank issue you. with that award? Um, yeah, I'm, I've lost like every single one. I've never won a <laughs> single thing. I'm the winningest debater of all time. That is the winningest. Yes. That's yes. Well, you do it once a week, every week. So fuck. Like, of course, you're going to win some. The average is in your favor. Office. I should run. You should for run for debater in- office. That's what you should do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just just do the debates. Don't actually run for the election. Just I just go to do the debates and then be like, yeah, politics sounds like a lot of work. I'm going to I'm going to. It's sit not, though. Out. Holy fuck. It's not. You can yeah. just say what you want and then fuck off to Hawaii for a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. White guy all gets right. named best best of all time by other white guy. That's surprising. Yeah. <laughs> How racist is that? You don't know that whoever that person that is that's watching live is uh, white. Real talks audience is a lot of white guys. <laughs> oh no, I don't know about that. No, I think you might be thinking of my pre- right. you might be thinking of my previous radio station. That that's all that's all white guys, <laughs> but not this audience. No. <laughs> yeah, welcome to KKK one hundred. Uh, is that is that the previous radio station you were on? It was yeah six thirty KKK actually, but. Uh, <laughs> No, nice did you did you guys did like I'll start with you, uh, Derek, as as the greatest of all time, definitively uh, on the debaters. Um, growing up, though, were you like with regards to what shaped your thoughts on on just the way you see the world, which of course is expressed through your comedy? Would you describe yourself as somebody who is politically engaged? Like, is it stuff that you actually care about? I would have to say yes, despite the the fact that it might uh, ruin my brand. I do care, of course, I care. Uh, I remember being a kid, my friend's dad ran for city council. So I, we would go door to door delivering the little pamphlet, whatever. And on election day, we would man the phones like, don't forget to get out to vote for Pierre, Pierre Donahue. 
so no, I, yeah, I am. I am politically engaged. I'm also very lazy. Like this whole the COVID thing. There's many things about the measures that have been put in place that I find are so stupid. Like I was in Halifax last weekend, and uh, somebody actually called the cops, saying, "Hey, there's a dirty Quebecois guy that's not vaccinated doing shows this weekend. That's against the rule." And they got everybody got involved. The police showed up at the show, and I said, "Dude, I filled out all the form. I got approved to enter the province." as an essential worker and then the uh the the public health department called me and said comedy is not an essential service <laughs> and i said bang change your questionnaire see on the question said is there a nova scotia business that depend on you to operate the business and i'm like that weekend yeah because i'm on the poster so it's truthfully yes i'm essential for a nova scotia business being yuck yucks in nova scotia halifax check it out support local comedy in halifax everybody uh so and then they said no we don't make exception i'm said i'm not asking you to make an exception i filled out all the paperwork you ask and now i did i got a test when i got there i uh, they said i could only go from my hotel to the club and from the club to the hotel the club has booze at it so i don't need to go anywhere else anyway it's perfect uh and then the the police showed up and the next day they actually said no you can't do it and i said well i'm doing it I'm doing the show. Like they said, well, you could get a $2,000 fine. And I'm like, well, I'm making 3000 to do the shows. Uh, so mm -hmm. I'll be a thousand up. If I don't go at all, I don't make anything. So you're, you're, you're really giving me no, the show must go on. Then I started tweeting about it 20 minutes later. This is 20 minutes before showtime, by the way, the, uh, the chief medical officer of Nova Scotia's office called me and said, listen, Derek, Dr. Strang talked with Dr. Whoever who's in public health and we've decided to make an exception. You can go on and do the shows. By the way, you're the best debater we've ever heard. Uh, we <laughs> and I got to do the shows. I got to do the shows and they made an exception. But I just find there's so many measures that are just, you know, arbitrarily written by these bureaucrats somewhere that I didn't vote for, nobody really voted for, that were appointed by a guy that I didn't vote for. And now I have to live my life according to these seemingly arbitrary things. And yeah. then when I when I when I resist them, even in my social circle of friend, I'm like, man, I don't I don't really want the vaccine. I think I had COVID in that first January. I think my immune system is better. Like, listen, I've I've survived my own lifestyle for 48 years. My immune system is on point. See, my I don't even think COVID can live in my body. Yep. Like, I am a smoker alcoholic. How is COVID gonna like? It's a virus, which is a living organism. It, it I do not present a hospitable host for this virus. Like, COVID tries to enter my dirty ass mouth and just go. Oh God, it's so smoky in here. I can't, is this guy drinking Purell? I can't live in here. So I didn't want to get the mm -hmm. vaccine. But then they say, if I don't get the vaccine, I can't go to a restaurant. Well, I, I like hot dogs. I, so I got the vaccine. I'm like a sheep. So I don't like it. I complain about it on Twitter or whatever, but I'm not the guy that's going to lead the the manifestation or whatever, the, the protest, like the protest would have to swing by the house and pick me up for me to even get involved in that. <laughs> I'm just trying to live my life. Adrian, are yeah, you, I mean, did you get vaccinated, Adrian? Yeah, I did. I, I did get vaccinated. I mean, my mom is quite heavily involved. Uh, she's a microbiologist, immunologist. Um, so she's, you know, kind of leading the charge or I think her answering machine because everyone kept calling her. They're like, should we get the vaccine? You know, should we? And so, her answering machine is just like, take whatever vaccine is offered. 
And if you'd like to leave a message, please do so at the tone. You know, she was like, she's very pro-vax. I understand the anti-vax hesitancy. I understand vaccine hesitancy for sure. sure. It's often by uh, marginalized and those who, uh, you know, the government has fucked over a million times over before. So why would they? Of course, they're going to be hesitant to take something that the government's like, take this now, you know? So I get it. Um, And yeah, the rules were arbitrary. It's very hard to know. You know, everything is very serious. It's a global pandemic. Don't hug or kiss anyone. Death is imminent. Society is crumbling. And if you need a vase, Dollarama is open till 9 p.m. You know, it was like, like what? Which rules do we follow? Which ones don't we? So um, I, I have uh, the vaccine. Um, uh, people call it a personal choice, but I don't know if it is so personal when it affects so many at large. Um, but I, that being said, I, I don't I, I completely uh, have compassion for for uh, vaccine hesitancy. I get it. And it's not even the personal choice anymore, though. They're they're basically well, it try, is. trying to force everybody, right? right? It's a personal right. choice, but you have to, in making that choice, you're not just choosing vaccine or not vaccine. You're choosing, I can't go anywhere. I can't go to the library, right? I, right. Totally. I think libraries are still open. (laughs) I assume there's still libraries. I don't know. But I can't can't go to restaurants. I can't go to the movies. And basically, I can't do any of the things I love. So it's it's not a personal. I hate that, too. And that's that's what I hate is that it's not been a personal choice. I I wear the mask. I wash my hands. I do all the other things that are that are normal things that you want to make other people you don't want to hurt anybody but just my sharing that ah, i don't think i want to get the vaccine and it, most of it was laziness i just didn't want to make that extra trip out to the, wherever we have to go to get the vaccine but my right. my friends that i've known my whole life would turn on me you're not getting the vaccine you what are you trying to kill my mother you son of the bitch you're so selfish i'm like bro i just didn't want to get the vaccine i'm not trying to kill your mother like, right, but you have to understand the, the 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 risks that were involved in not taking the vaccine too, right? So I mean, no, I you don't want to kill someone, but that is I, not right. I right. evaluated the risk and decided that I didn't want it. That was and that's that your was a, and that is that's choice, totally your right. choice, and and that's great that you choose not to go to the fucking library if you know where it is. But yeah, I don't even care if you go, uh, you can, you can't go eat or go to the movies. Anybody who's unvaxxed, fuck them, stay at home, lock them down. I'm double vaxxed. Uh, I'm losing weight. I'm so fucking happy right now and healthy. I haven't had a cold in over a year and a half. And that's because I wear my, my face panty uh, every day. And I wash my hands like you should have done when your mom told you when we were kids, but somehow we forgot to do that when we became adults. Uh, I feel great. And, uh, and I, well, now I'm double vaxxed and Alberta's fucked me over now because now it's like, uh, Hey, we're open this summer. This is great. Uh, but we're going to get fucked. Everybody who's got vaccine already. Fuck you. We're going to give the people who have a hundred bucks each, we're going to send them on trips. We're going to hold lotteries for them. Well, I already got Vax. Where's my hundred bucks? I'm sorry. I don't make $3,000 a weekend in Halifax, like freaking Mr. French fry over there, but fuck, it must be nice living the life with fucking buying all those books at the bookstore in the library with that $3,000 you make in Halifax. Well, oh, Howie, I saw, I, I saw when, when Derek talked about, you know, he can afford the $2,000 fine because he's getting paid three G's in Halifax. I saw your eyebrows raised and I was, I was trying to tell from your body language, whether or not you thought he would have been making more or less than three grand. I didn't want to make him feel bad. I usually get six thousand dollars when I do Halifax, <laughs> I mean, but you know, yeah, but it, it's yak yaks, right? So what can what can you do? Exactly. He's bilingual, uh, well, so they feel sorry at 30, for him. 
We're only at 30% capacity, so I was only making 30% of what I usually make. <laughs> how, do, how does how does that work, Adrian? Do you like with regards to Canadian comedians and maybe it's different for all three of you, but but is it like is it is it a, a constant hustle where you represent yourself or their agents, are you booking yourself? How how does how does it work and how has it worked over the past year and a half with Obviously, so many interruptions. I mean, you know, you three, I mean, aside from maybe some TV work, which even a lot of that shut down. I mean, live venues were closed. Public gatherings were closed. How, how did you manage? Yeah, um, I mean, to be honest, a lot of my income comes from uh, I would say over 50 percent of my income does come from uh, something like my, my album release. Right. So uh, there's a there's a station uh, on Sirius XM called Canada Last on channel 169 is that right it's called, J- it's called jfl canada now oh right okay jfl canada um and they play canadian albums and we collect uh royalties from that uh so that's that was still going so that is where the income still came in from and uh there were still there were zoom shows which were uh oh god they were uh, also a bit of a dumpster fire oh they're all right they were they were all right they, they you know i got used to them in the end but there were zoom shows which yeah you couldn't really charge as much as a live show obviously uh, you mm-hmm. probably had to dim down your numbers to around three thousand dollars a show so that was tough uh, <laughs> um but yeah normally um <laughs> Normally, you do have agents to to send you at shows. Yuck Yucks acts as an agency, so they have uh, you know clubs all across the country, and they have kind of one nighters and college gigs and university gigs. And there, there's a fixed price, and then there's also the independent stream, which is where you book yourself um, in shows. People will reach out to you specifically, or you'll get uh, you know a gig sent to you, and you're like, okay, yeah, this is how much I charge. So it kind of you you can charge. There's an independent stream uh, where you choose your own prices. And then there's also your agents, which will uh, give you gigs and on a fixed price kind of thing. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. I can't, I can't imagine though doing stand up on zoom. Like, I, I mean, I've never, I, yeah. I don't know. I'm not good at it. I've never, but I, I just can't, I mean, Howie, I would, you got to play off the audience, right? Yeah. Well, the thing is, I mean, first and foremost, everyone has to mute their uh, microphones because you can't have more than four people talking at once. Otherwise the mic gets all choppy. You have to have a, a nice setup, a good webcam and a good microphone so they can hear you. But it's weird because, yeah, you feed off the the, uh, the audience in a live performance. And, you know, when you see uh, like the hands emoji or a smiley face pop up, it's not the same <laughs> thing. Right. And I realized the very first time I did when we first locked down, I did kind of a free thing on Facebook just to just because I felt bad. I'm like, well, I'm going to I'm going to cheer up the rest of the country by doing uh, my comedy on Facebook. And if you want to fight me on that, go ahead, visit my Facebook page. Um, But (laughs) if uh, I thought, okay, well, I'll do my whole act. So I did my whole act, beginning, middle and end and looked down and said, you know, I thought it was an hour of comedy that I had for my corporate shows. I looked down. I was at 33 minutes (laughs) like, well, shit, what am I going to do for that? There's no laughter. There's no interaction. I mean, that's That's a show. When I was doing it, I didn't tell. I told people to not mute their their microphone so that I could hear them laughing. Yeah, that's what I did in the end too. It's like at first it was everyone mute, and then I was like, you know what, the timing's already kind of fucked up, so let's just go for it. And yeah. the timing was, you know, turn your mute mics on, which meant that you know you could hear a kid in the background that would pop into your joke every so often, laughing or or screaming in the background. 
but it was better than no audience at all. Cause you're right, Ryan. Well, I'm, you know, I'm used to having nobody laugh at my jokes anyway. So it was, just, <laughs> yeah, it was a regular yeah, show yeah. in Fairview for me. Yeah. Yeah. How, I how, also feel like I should clear up. We were just jo- as Camille, we're joking like 3000, 2000, 9,000. It's all a joke. Everybody. I, I, I multiplied all the numbers by 10 just to give regular people context of what numbers are. It's exactly. like we make dozens of dollars and the fine was going to be a hundred dollars. I was just making the round numbers so people could figure it out. We well, was using the metric much system. I think it's probably important. uh, It's probably important that we clarify a a few things uh, because I I see a fella on our live chat right now that's seeking clarification on on whether I've I've just whether or not I've just characterized all of my former colleagues at a radio station as racists and members of the Ku Klux Klan. So we should we should probably remind Doug that it's a fucking joke, buddy. And these are comedians, and we're fucking around. Uh, People also wanted to seek clarification uh, that COVID nineteen is not a living virus that would be scared off by cigarettes smoke inside Derek's mouth and we'll continue. <laughs> this is great because I, I didn't know that we'd have a whole team of myth busters that would be joining us in the live chat this morning, but I really appreciate the contributions. Howie, how is funny you- though? Somebody, somebody's asking about if you have racist former colleagues, but I bet you at some point you're going to also get one. Hey, I can't find that 600 KKK AM. Where, where- <laughs> <laughs> you do have a big listenership in Alberta. Some people are like, hey, not everybody's racist. And some people are like, hey, where can I find that racist? Hey, wait a minute. Some of us are, though, damn it. <laughs> yeah, I, Howie, I'm seeing, I'm seeing a whole new TV bit coming up here uh, straight out of the control room at the radio station. But Howie, how have you, how have you been in, encountered like, with regards to what Derek's talking about? And I absolutely appreciate the candor. And Adrian, the spirit of you talking about vaccine hesitancy and approaching it. I mean, we talked to, I mean, I think of like Professor Timothy Caulfield of the University of Alberta, who's a real like science guy. He, he wrote the book, Is Gwyneth Paltrow Wrong About Everything? I mean, but even he was on here saying you got to meet the vaccine hesitant in the middle with with compassion and empathy and understanding and not just throw facts in their face. Howie, how have, how, how have you managed that in your own personal life? I'm sure you know people that, that haven't been getting the vaccine, that have been sharing questionable information on, on social media. And, and I'm sure that if people want to learn more about that, they can go visit your Facebook page. But in the meantime, how have you been managing it? Well, the thing is, you can't throw facts in their faces because they can't read. Uh, secondly, it's like it's it's in my own family. I've actually just recently had to lop off a huge chunk of my family just because they kept on uh, uh, pouring down my throat. The uh, the non-vax rhetoric and all the stuff they learned on Facebook that day and all the stuff they learned on the Internet. Um I, I just I don't like it being shoved in my face, I, you know, and it was politely asked, could you stop saying this to me and my family? And then it was like, OK, well, now I'm pissed off. And then, you know, they were like, well, don't ever talk to me again. It's like, well, OK, I won't. And I probably won't be able to because they're going to die of COVID-19 or a variant of it. It's sad. Um, but those are the actual facts. I lost my brother uh, in December. My older brother died of covid so it hits me really hard when people want to say, well, I'm not going to get vaxxed because I don't believe in COVID. It's just a flu. Or it's just we're going to put where I'm going to take horse vitamins and I'll fix it up. Right. No, <laughs> yeah. it's a disease. It's going to kill you if you don't. And now now all the, the non-maskers, the anti-maskers are flooding the hospital beds and they're all going to die, probably, which is very, very sad because I got double shot. No problem. Uh, and I feel great. I feel fantastic. I'll turn into a zombie in about 10 months. But hey, until that happens, I fucking this is awesome. I feel like I need to. Cla- 
I'm not just to be clear. I, I'm not a. I'm not even vax hesitant. I'm not an anti-vax. I just didn't want it for me. I did all my research and said, ah, you know what? I'll just do the other precautions. And I just didn't want. It. I'm not anti-vax. I, anybody that wants the vax, I'm happy for you. Go for it. Have the vax. My children even were. Yeah, I'm. They're like, what do you think we should do? I'm like, well, read about it. I guess uh, inform yourself. Um, so just, I do want to be clear. I don't. I hate that we even have to do this. I find the whole this whole COVID thing from the mask early on to the vaccine now has been such a, a element of divisiveness. When we look back a hundred year in 1917 at the Spanish flu, it brought people together. Like people were, you know, like somebody gets sick and then you got one lady that's taking care of six kids so that, you know, isolate them from the person. I find COVID-19 has divided us so much further than we already were, which is terrible. Like who knows the names of all their neighbors nowadays where, you know, 30 years ago, everybody did. So the the divisiveness has been terrible. How the mask became a right and left thing, I don't I don't know. But uh, anyway, yeah. I just wanted to clarify that I'm not anti-vax. I just didn't want it, but now I got it. I got it. I didn't I didn't not want it that bad. Like I like eating in fancy restaurants a lot more than I didn't want the yeah. vaccine. You're so. you're not vaccine hesitant. You're just very hesitant to get the vaccine. I I, <laughs> I appreciate the clarification, Derek. I was, and now I, and I'm like, you can't, I can't, I can't eat at uh, my favorite restaurant. Oh, all right, I'll give me the vaccine. Whatever. See, it works. Me with, you public, put the nanobots in there. I don't care. Public policy want, works. I want to eat. I want to eat chicken parmesan. Yeah, <laughs> stick, Derek, stick me with the the five G. We talk about. I mean, we're joking. We're poking fun at Alberta and 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 Howie and I do it so we don't cry. Uh, because we both love this place, I think. Well, at least I'll speak for myself, Howie, but I think you do too. And But it's difficult to see sometimes how things play out. However, Derek, La Belle Province does not get a pass. I mean, it's every federal election, people talk about Bill 21 in Quebec, and people want to know what, what, what are the federal parties going to do uh, to either confront Bill 21, which is described by many people as racist legislation or not, or discriminatory legislation anyway. Conservatives say they won't touch it. Justin Trudeau, eh, kind of, I mean, he's had time to do something about it if he truly wanted to. But what's your take when it, when it comes to racism and discrimination in the province of Quebec? Quebec doesn't get a pass on this conversation. Take us there. I mean, you're from there. Yeah, and but... Uh, yeah, uh, listen, I know we're, 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 we can be known for that kind of behavior. I would say, listen, I live in Montreal. Um, I think Montreal is one of the most progressive cosmopolitan places uh, there is in the Western world. But Quebec is fucking huge. I don't know if you've seen it on the map. It's gigantic. And so outside of here, there are still some older towns that haven't quite evolved in the progressive um, <laughs> mindset that uh, Montreal has. Uh, which so, for instance, Jagmeet Singh has really impressed me through this campaign. A lot less, a lot less hate mongering and all that. I love the NDP, right? Because it's it's twenty. Let's be honest, but conservative, liberal. There's so few differences between them, really, uh, that I'm like, you know what? Maybe it's not. And Jack Layton's uh, NDP did really well, right before, right as he was passing away, whatever the one right before he died. Or, uh, unfortunately, because there are some still. I don't want to go so far as to say racist, but maybe racially insensitive and uh, like that just won't vote for Jagmeet based on solely that, solely by the way he look. It's sad to I me think that, that is that's racism. where we're at. <laughs> it is. Yeah. 
<laughs> but it's not, you know, like we equate <laughs> racism with like the, it, yeah. hate, the hate, <laughs> not so much hate from, anyway, I, I can't speak for a whole populace of people, <laughs> but there is still more of that. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, r- r- what is, what are they calling it now? They're not even, the, the politicians call it racialization or whatever. It's not racism anymore. They call it racialization, racialized. No, it's racism. I know they're trying to change the name, but it's racism. Yeah. Uh, Listen, yes, we do have. Fuck you, Howie. You live in Alberta. See, like Quebec might be bad, but at least we're not known for that. We're known for all kinds of other stupid shit. (laughs) The the, the similarities. Actually, there's, I mean, the similarities, there's a long list of similarities between Alberta and Quebec. Um, and Alberta said it's crazy. It, it is. I mean, if you did a list and compared the two provinces, it could be a long one for sure. But we have Montreal. So at least we like most of the people live in a place that's not like that. But you go to what was that town there where they the, the, they passed a bylaw saying there will be no public stonings in our city, like as if they had to do that. You know what I mean? They were just being dicks. <laughs> To, to say that they don't like Islam. It was like so, so terrible. Unbelievable. My friend Abdul actually interviewed the mayor of that town. Uh, Henriville, I think it was called, uh, where they said that you can't wear hijab or niqab and they put it in their municipal thing. And I'm like, oh, guys, you guys are being such dicks. And they're like, no, they want to be Canadian. Anyway. So, hey. yes, in the rural parts of Quebec, there are some still some, let's call it uh, a little uh, backward uh historic mindsets that have stayed when i thought well, and, and it exists across racist. the country right adrian i know and I, adrian i just appreciate you keep coming back <laughs> and just hammering down that point uh derek uh, but not just racist misogynist too homophobic well, sure, also yeah, like, don't forget those uh, we have those too sure. adrian yeah sure, <laughs> sure. sure. um yeah. adrian uh, uh, derek touched on on chuck meat singh and and just how he had kind of you know made an impression on him over the course of the campaign was there a politician a party leader uh, in particular, that made an impression on you, positive or negative, over the past month? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, Jagmeet Singh, I'm I'm a big fan of, um, and I love how Bernie Sanders has also endorsed him. I think that's great. Love that. Um, I love that. That was so great. Yeah, yeah, that was really cool. Um, yeah, I've been most I've mostly been impressed by him. I also really like his uh, his policies on taxing the rich, ultra rich. Um, and um, the, the Green Party leader, uh, Anna. Anna May Paul, yeah. Anna, Anna, Anna May Paul, yeah. Um, she was great in the debate, I thought. She really held herself well and kind of was even more prepared than the other politicians, I thought, too, uh, than, than Trudeau and uh, O'Toole uh, as well. I thought she really held her own. Um, again, I really wish I could vote. I, I would probably vote, I don't know, I, I would probably vote Green if it wasn't for this first past the post. Um, Dying, but so do you but, find yourself yeah, participating in the idea around strategic voting, Adrian? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I I don't. I go back and forth on it. You know, it's a tough. That's a tough question for me to answer. Um, I think I probably do. I often check out what my writing uh, is, which is NDP. Um, so and and I'm happy to vote NDP as well. So. Um, I don't really have to struggle with with too much as it can be conservative or liberal, which I think would be a really tough one. I can vote NDP and 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 feel good about my vote. Um, so yeah, that's a tough question for me to to answer though, because I do find myself kind of going back and forth about, you know, what do you do there? What's what's yeah. 
Howie did. Howie, would you was your vote up for grabs? Howie, like um, you know, when the writ dropped and the elections announced, were you are you the type of voter that says, "All right, we we all start from scratch here with the parties. Everyone has an equal chance at getting my vote, and I'm going to see who earns it." Or do you already have a party in mind, and, and whether or not your mind is changed is is the ball in play? Well, every every time I vote, I don't vote for PC, and they always get in. So I'm like, again, it's like I'm at the end of my rope with it doesn't matter what I do. I mean, I try to strategically vote and I try to do what I can, but it always turns out the same way anyways, because uh, yeah, I don't even consider it racism anymore because I'm trying to not use that word in my life because I'm surrounded by it. But the thing is, I think like in Quebec and in Alberta, I know there's a lot of, I call it like an old school way of thinking and that's not necessarily bad. People are scared and they don't, they're not used to change and they live a certain way and you can't, belittle them for that. And and it just sucks because a guy like Jagmeet Singh, who has a beautiful platform, I love his dancing videos up north, by the way. Oh, wait, that's not him. Anyways, oh, <laughs> I uh, no, so, I he's I just, surrounded by it, he says. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm a huge racist. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I just I just want to make an educated, well thought out vote. And I just I just want my government to change in Alberta because we need change now like we needed it last year actually uh but um yeah we'll see we'll see what the day brings or tomorrow brings yeah, I, I'm I'm curious to see where uh, Jillian is watching, and, and uh, I happen to know that Jillian you, used to live in Quebec. Uh, she says Montreal is as foreign to Quebec as Quebec is foreign to Canada, which is kind of an interesting insight. Derek, what do you think about this? Well, you bang on there. I think that's uh, it's well said. It's uh, a very different like, again it's huge right like canada is huge so anyone of like we've i think we've all been to the halifax comedy fest or just going to Halifax. that's a different people i mean it's still canada but it's very different newfoundland is different from everywhere you know alberta's got its idiosyncrasies and so quebec is like the i think quebec is larger in landmass than like 47 percent of the countries on planet earth so it's understandable that you're in Montreal, but then you can drive seven hour uh, and they're going to have slightly different mindset. So I think that is a, an astute uh, uh, sort of description. Yeah. Uh, I also think I wanted to mention before, can you imagine how different the world would be right now had Bernie Sanders have gotten that nomination uh. and then become president? <laughs> like, I really think that. Uh, I th- yeah, that I fantasize about that sometimes. Like, oh my God! And then Bernie Sanders does like four year, and then now this election, the NDP really has a a mega shot because let's be honest, Bernie Sanders is like the NDP. It's all candidate based. Mm-hmm. There's only two parties, but depending who gets the nomination, it changes the structure of the whole party. Um, but that would be interesting. Again, I'm not. I'm not, I don't want people to think I'm not extreme on anything. I'm not socialist, which I don't think in Canada our most left uh, party. It's not socialism anymore. It's just more socially minded. It's taking care of everybody. You know, we have one party that's thinking about one very small group of people. The liberal, I feel, pretend that they care more than they do. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's all... I'm so dismayed about politics. I'm going to vote because I'm trying to show a good example for my children and everything. But I'm so dismayed on the whole political system in our country, even more worried about the one in the country south of us. But it it seems like nobody's motivated by the real thing. Jagmeet is the one for me and uh, the lady from the Green Party, I have to be honest, are motivated by the right things. Everybody else seems to be motivated by some... like. 
power power you know influence um, personal financial gain um yeah brokering deals with the uh, i just nobody's totally. motivated by the the thing that they should be to be in politics which is to be a person for the people uh and all the people and then, you know what this 100%. is what yeah derek this is but this is what what you're saying is what makes me nervous because i absolutely understand where you're coming from when you say you you know you you, you become disillusioned to the point where you don't really want to participate but you want to set a good example for your kids and then i always think well then the bad guys win because the whole point is to chase decent people away from politics the whole point is to create an arena that is so nasty that no, no person in their right mind would ever want to get in there, you know? Yeah. And, and, and then what are we left with? Uh, Jillian, by the way, went on to say, and I'll put this in front of you, Adrian. She says, no real differences between the conservatives and liberals, really? She says, my black skin and my uterus disagree. <laughs> uh, Adrian, as a woman, did, did, did that, I mean, did, did you, do you, do you, when you see, I mean, I think every single person sees, obviously, party platforms, through their own specific <laughs> fucking Derek lighting up another smoke. I wish I had something to fire up in here, but but uh, but but did did you feel that that yeah. there was enough conversation about so-called women's issues as part of this campaign uh, outside of what we talked about out of the gates here, the the, the sort of mudslinging around abortion and and assault rifles? Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, what was your listener's name? Jillian. Jillian. That was her name, right? Yeah. Jillian, yeah. Um, I mean, she's she's absolutely right. Of course, there's a difference between conservatives and liberals. Um, I, I guess I was just kind of saying that as like kind of kind of similar to kind of what Derek's saying is that in that like I don't I don't trust I don't trust O'Toole and I don't trust Trudeau. Trudeau is kind of like this like a little bit of a he's like this weird robot. He's so groomed that um, I don't trust what he's saying. He kind of says things, but I don't. I don't believe them. Um, and he's proven time and time again that, that, that that's, he's not to be trusted. Um, but you're absolutely right, of course, in terms of abortion, in terms of, I mean, Aaron O'Toole, I guess, is, is pro-choice, uh, him specifically. But um, yeah, the, uh, um, what do I have to say there? Um, I, there has been some touch. I, I guess it hasn't really been a big focus of the campaign, um, women's rights. Uh, the, only, the only real... Um, mentioned to it or they want the real importance to it is in terms of childcare, right and and what uh party lines are discussing in terms of who who are helping in uh, especially after covid relief um yeah. for i think that's which, by right? the way quebec invented the subsidized daycare that's a hot topic on trudeau's platform it started with parti québécois so parti québécois who are the the treason party if you're not aware they're trying to break up canada but they're politically speaking very similar to the ndp very socially minded subsidized daycare started in quebec and then got adopted where across canada for uh uh, where it's not as good as here. Here, literally, people pay $7 and the government sends the rest. In the rest of Canada, I think you pay and then you get some ta back in a tax break. But also, a full year maternity leave that's also born in Quebec through the Parti Québécois and then was so popular that the rest of Canada was like, Ugh! and it's, so now you have Quebec to thank. Not just Quebec, but the separatist party in Quebec to thank for 50 week of, of uh, maternity or, or parental leave. So I don't know why I felt I needed to uh, add that. <laughs> no, but yes, we have a ton of racists, but we also <laughs> care about the children. <laughs> <laughs> Making future racists. <laughs> <laughs> on the cheap, on the cheap, at, yeah. an, affordable, at an affordable price. <laughs> 
so at, at the end of the day, I, I guess we'll know, you know, millions of Canadians will vote today and, and I guess we'll get a, a bit of a sense of of I mean, this is how voters send a message, right? This is how the electorate sends a message on, on what's important. Um, you know, Howie, we talked to we've we've talked to indigenous leaders um, and commentators across the country um, a, a number of times over the past month. And and, and quite frankly, we, we've received different assessments on the degree to which they're satisfied that that reconciliation and that Canada's commitment to reconciliation has been reflected in these election platforms. Do you, in that context, believe that voters have enough to go on uh, based on the conversations we were having in May and June and into July about residential schools and everything else? Do you believe that in a way that this election will reflect where Canadians priorities are there or not? I mean, my honest assessment is that I haven't seen anything really tangible in any party's platform that leads me to believe that anybody thought that it was either a ticket to success or even politically feasible to put something in front of people. How about you? Until the politicians take on the Vatican and get Mm -hmm. them to own up for, you know, murdering and trying to, you know, genocide my entire race, then I won't see any real change. Um, but, you know, it's when it comes to elections and the importance of things, it all falls into the wayside and it goes back to a high school mentality. Oh, I promise you more vending machines and more dances and more uh, PD days. It's like it's all bullshit because it's empty promises. It's always been empty promises. And uh, it's just a big waste of time and money. We need we need change the, the whole system. I mean, you can't just you can't just say, well, you know, hopefully you know, I'll roll the dice with this one. I mean, change has to be made. And, uh, you know, all joking aside, uh, I get really depressed. I watch Star Trek because there's no politics in Star Trek. You know, Earth is all united. It's all a utopia. There's no money. There's no greed. And uh, hopefully, but again, there's no natives in Star Trek. So that scares me. That scares me. <laughs> I want to ask native of somewhere. They're native. Yeah, of native somewhere. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. true. <laughs> that's true. Native to somewhere for sure. Um, I want, I want, I want to ask you all this in closing, uh, Adrian, we'll go to you first. If you were prime minister for a day, what would you do? <laughs> okay. That's easy. You ready? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday. <laughs> Two Saturdays. Two Saturdays. Two Saturdays. Hmm. Uh, it's so easy. You, I mean, you got my vote. <laughs> Perfect. Actually, yeah, yeah. Uh, what would I but do? I what mean, you're I'm, doing? You're adding would, a day to our say. work week. As comedians, <laughs> no, we have to work an extra day now. Another full day of dick jokes. God damn! <laughs> I mean, that's the best. Another full day of dick jokes. That's amazing. Yeah, you take out you take out Mondays completely, and then you go Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday. Um, what would I do as prime minister for the day? I, you know, just like how he's saying, I think change comes structurally. I, you take away the whole idea of one leader, and you combine. I mean, you you have multiple leaders. You have it. It needs to be diversified. Um, over all party party you know, I think there just I don't think there needs to be one prime minister. I think there needs to be many. Um, if we're talking structural change, um, you know, we need to start playing a different game. We've been playing Monopoly, this bullshit game of, of hmm. Monopoly forever, and I think it's time to play a new game. I just don't know what that game is yet. Um, but new game and two Saturdays and in four point seven billion years, the sun's going to evaporate the Earth, and none of this will even matter. So you know, two Saturdays. I love it. Two Saturdays. That'd be an amazing hashtag, an amazing election platform, and you'd probably win. Howie, if you were PM for a day, what would you do? 
I know everyone wants me to kick out all the white people and send them home, but I wouldn't do that. Uh, you know what? Uh, I like Adrian's idea of Saturday. It's like the Elton John song. Saturday, Saturday. It's all Saturday for me. Um, anyways, uh, for a day, you know, uh, in, in indigenous culture, it's a matriarchy. Uh, matriarch, and uh, women should be more involved. It's called Mother Earth. Uh, uh, your, your person that commented, I think it was Julian. Yes, your uterus is the most powerful thing on the planet. Uh, women have should have more power. There should be more uh, equality there for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, we need uh, to to have this society an equal society. So I would do everything I could to make everything equal and on a straight, even keel so we can start fresh. And I would get rid of all my bills. Just mine, though. Mm-hmm. Just yours. <laughs> Debt forgiveness for the PM. By the way, Jeremy's watching live and in all caps, he says, no politics in Star Trek? He says, dude, did you not watch DS9, Discovery, Picard, Enterprise? It's all politics. I meant on the planet Earth. I meant the utopian way they think, and there's no, you know, it's not all about Democrats and Republicans. That's what I meant. Of course, there's politics, Klingons and Romulans and the Ferengis, and I don't want to get into it now. I'm stoked that you're <laughs> that you're talking Star Trek from the set of Star Wars. That's a that's true crossover. I mean, that's this this is where people truly meet in the middle on real talk. It's like an, it's like an Uber Eats commercial. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's very impressive. <laughs> hey, uh, so so uh, Derek, if you're PM for a day, heaven help us. What does the country look like? Uh, I know. Yeah, I, people expect me to be well. One thing I would do, I would uh, I would start a uh, um, national, a federalized company that called Smokers Delight, and it's got an airline, a train system, a whole chain of restaurants where it's only smoking. There's only smoking in there. That would be great. Uh, but other than that, I would want. I would. I would probably chop the bureaucracy in half. I would fire half of the civil servants, and they could go work in the restaurants that are now understaffed because of the Serb. People can't. We have no dishwashers or waiters now because they're sitting at home playing video games on the serve. That's gone oh, a little bit too long. <laughs> uh, but no. But I want my restaurant to be staffed. That's all. And I feel there's too much bureaucratic. There's too much civil servant. Like there's too many people working in the government. There's too much government. Uh, I would definitely fix the water problem in all the uh, indigenous communities. Uh, I would give women way more. I love the women thing. I love I love women, but I mean, uh, I didn't I didn't realize that we were. I think Canada is doing pretty well on the women's rights movement. I think the the glass ceiling should be more broken, but I, I'm I'm happy with where we're going on that level. Uh, I would be, do so much. It would be such a busy day. I would be the best <laughs> prime minister ever, but I would be very happy to quit after that one day. Two days of work in a row. Fuck that. I tell dick jokes. I want to get back to that, please. Luke is uh, Luke is wondering. Luke is still deciding, uh, Derek, on whether or not he's going to vote for you on our live chat. Um, he, he's curious to know if you would commit to bringing back menthols. Uh, no, no, I would not. I would not commit that. We do not because that apparently, according to science, uh, encourages children to smoke. So we don't want menthol. And I don't like menthols. What do I need menthols for? All right. Uh, I will not bring back menthols. I'm taking a hard stand on no menthols. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it. You can find Derek Sagan online at DerekSagan.com. Follow him on Twitter at the Derek Sagan. You can find Howie Miller at HowieMiller.com or it seems all over the place, including Facebook. And you can find Adrian Fish at Adrian underscore Fish and Adrian Fish 
Com. You guys delivered in a big way here. We wanted to have some fun uh, while also still having some real talk. And you most certainly delivered. Thanks for making time for us today and best of luck moving forward. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Good Thanks. to see you, Adrian. Good Howie. to see you guys. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Uh, I love that. See you guys too. Thanks so much love for having that. me. Two Saturdays. Two Saturdays. No menthols. I think that's and also Derek at the end and the whole like the women thing. I'd be down with the women thing. Yeah, the too. women. Thing. I like I like women. I'd be down with the women thing. Um, we we've had of course a bunch of people and and this is exactly what we were hoping for in putting this together is obviously having fun, obviously being being stupid and silly, but at the same time hitting on points, which is is what comedians that's what sets apart the masterful ones from the others. And I saw some really interesting commentary from people on our live chat in particular when Derek and Adrian started talking about Jagmeet Singh and people were saying essentially if I can paraphrase very likable guy but the electorate at least a lot of the people that are chiming in here that are watching or listening to this show right now are saying you're just not convinced that Jagmeet Singh either understands or understands the importance of communicating how you put plans into action how you take things in theory and actually make them happen and I think that that's where a lot of people get caught up on more ambitious political policy when you talk about evening the playing field or taxing the wealthy or whatever those conversations look like. Do you believe that you can take the big high level stuff from theory into practice? And I guess that's kind of what, you know, to a certain degree on one front, people will be voting on today, whether or not they believe that political parties can actually implement or are committed to implementing the policy that they put in front of voters. I think it's just that we haven't seen if the NDP, we haven't seen the NDP in a leadership role, like actually leading the government. So yeah, of course you don't know if they can do it. Yeah. We know the liberals, we've seen liberals and we've seen conservatives. That is what we have seen. So yes, of course you think, oh, okay, well the platform from the conservatives, they can implement that. Platform from the liberals, they can implement that. NDP, who knows? Because precisely that, we have never had them leading the government yeah i don't think that that's there's an argument to say that they can't do it it's because they haven't had the opportunity to yeah there's way more star trek talk than we've ever seen in past uh on our live chat right now and that includes uh the politics of star trek i don't know the first thing about star trek so i can't contribute here Uh, but i love this from tracy who says politics is life and life is politics i thought my political science professor was nuts but now in my 50s i see the truth that reminds me of football is life, coach. You see Ted Lasso cleaned up at the Emmys last night. Yeah. Four uh, wins for Ted Lasso at the Emmys. Lorraine is watching, says if Alberta flips five seats, I think we'll have a liberal majority tonight. Says I'm just uh, hopeful uh, that, you know, she talks about uh, Calgary Foothills. John Barlow sees a decrease in support, says uh, RMP needs to hear that we are not happy with him. That from Lorraine. I don't think Alberta's going to flip five seats. Um, there, there, there's a riding in play in Edmonton that could go NDP. Uh, Blake Desjardins, the NDP candidate, earned a visit from Jagmeet Singh over the weekend. If, if the leader of the party is flying into your riding the weekend before the election, it says something. It says that they think you could win, and it says that they think it's not a guaranteed win. And so the leaders are going to focus on ridings where they think they could do some damage. Here's the thing. The incumbent there, uh, a former newspaper columnist by the name of Kerry Diot, won by a landslide last time around. I think it was 13,000 plus votes, the margin of victory. So so uh, Mr. Desjardins certainly has his work cut out for him in that riding, but we'll see what happens there. A couple other ridings in Edmonton that could swing, a couple in Calgary that could, five might be a tall order if the conservatives lost five seats in the province of Alberta. Sam, I think that would send an incredibly clear message 
to Aaron O'Toole and his team. I'm not calling it. I don't think that that's going to happen. But boy, oh boy, would that get some people's attention. Yeah. And uh, I mean, because what everybody's talking about is the alignment with Jason Kenney and how, I mean, O'Toole's taking it on the right and the left right now because, yeah. you know, generally speaking, there's a lot of conservative policies that, that won't appear, appeal to lefties like me just to begin with. But, you know, we're in this place right now where, I mean, Jason Kenney has thoroughly, unequivocally, completely screwed up this province for years to come. And... I mean, Aaron O'Toole was very supportive of Kenny right until he wasn't. And then he went days and days in a row weaving and dodging every question that was thrown against him. Yeah, about and that. It was a few, I mean, granted, I've been watching a bunch of the, the leaders exit interviews and they all dodge every question and they all have terrible canned answers for everything, which just really put me off of the election for yeah. a bit. But I do agree. There's there's a couple ridings in play in Alberta. I don't think we'll flip five, but we might flip two. Yeah, the Real Talk Roundtable just this past Friday with the strategist touched on on whether or not uh, Aaron O'Toole sort of, um, you know, showed an, an astuteness uh, in how he managed those questions around why he characterized Jason Kenney as having responded to COVID the best of any leader in Canada, in particular, saying that Jason Kenney managed COVID-19 way better than the federal government. And, and of course, that comes back to bite him. How badly? We'll find out. Mm-hmm. We'll find out today uh on a side note i haven't wanted to smoke a cigarette in ages like in ages but just watching Derek, i gotta be honest i was it's kind of like when, when someone's smoking a cigarette in a movie and you're like you know i know it's like gonna kill me and terrible for me and like absolutely disgusting but you're kind of like gosh that would be kind of nice a coffee and a cigarette maybe do it like edward r murrow used to do the evening newscast back in the day mm. just smoke cigarettes maybe while we do our next interview with the giller prize winner what do you think maybe not maybe not Maybe not. Don't smoke. Don't smoke, kids. That's right. That's the message from Real Talk. Don't smoke, kids. Another message from Real Talk. Athabasca University is Canada's online university. And that means that thousands of people that are going back to school, in particular post-secondary school this fall, are doing it outside of a brick-and-mortar context. Of course, the world-class accredited online programs and courses at Athabasca U offer you the flexibility to learn at your own pace on a schedule that suits your lifestyle. Visit their website, AthabascaU.ca today and click on Getting Started. It'll take you into admission requirements, understanding what you need to join the AU family. It's easy to become a student. You know, if you're 16 years of age or older, you'll be accepted as an undergraduate student at AU. You've got firsthand testimony from students that talk about how their lives have changed, their careers have been boosted by their application and then subsequent studies at Canada's online university, Athabasca U. Our friends at Kubi Energy want to remind you they're providing solar energy solutions to power your life. We told you last week about that Kubi Cube. This is essentially their C-can covered in solar panels. People are using it to take their off-the-grid areas, including cabins, cottages, there's agricultural applications, and more. The Kubi Cube is just one of the ways that the team at Kubi Energy is bringing your sustainable energy goals to life. And coming up at the end of this show, Positive Reflections presented by Kubi. Also wanted to remind you that the new Jeep Grand Cherokee L's are in at St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge Jeep. That's right. This is for the first time ever in the history of the best-selling SUV ever. The first time 
time they've ever featured a third row of seating. The seven-seater Grand Cherokee L has touched down at Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge. It also means there's great opportunities to get a smoking deal on the Grand Cherokees that they need to clear out. It's a great time to check them out online under the Sponsors tab at ryanjesperson.com. Our next guest won the prestigious 2019 Scotiabank Giller Prize for his first novel, Reproduction. Ian Williams holds a PhD in English from the University of Toronto, recently returned there as a tenured professor after several years as a professor of poetry at the University of British Columbia. Tomorrow's a huge day for Dr. Williams. His new book, Disorientation, comes out nationwide and around the world. It's a real pleasure to welcome you to Real Talk, Doctor. Thanks for making time for us today. Yeah, you too, Ryan. Good to hear you talk about all these things. Well, you know, we want to. I mean, we call the show Real Talk, and so we know that if we don't deliver on it, people are going to call us out for it. Is is Election Day significant for you? Do you consider yourself to be an engaged voter? Right. So a voter, yes. But I'm one of these people who says, like, I'm not political, right? Because these, you know, words shift meaning over time, and political these days means to be, like, militant and slightly righteous and you know um so i resist that kind of uh like identification but no i care about issues i care about what happens and i i do my civic responsibility not as a kind of duty but as a kind of um uh you know uh like moral right thing to do right so yeah i will vote later did you have uh in particular kind of a checklist like a personal checklist of of issues policies that were important to you and and did you find were you satisfied with regards to the platforms or the campaigns that you saw right so you know there are a few things that like dominate these days right sort of pandemic response and pandemic stance um these days but then there's also like the long range thing can you forgive a candidate for something he did uh in his 20s or 30s that was pretty ridiculous right um is it for me to forgive is there uh, do i require more evidence of change um it's it's stuff like that ryan right negotiating between people's past platforms what they've done now and like do i trust them to go for i don't want to make any assumptions so let me clarify are you talking about justin trudeau and his history of blackface that's right. <laughs> That's right. How do you wrap your yeah. mind around it? What, where's your Where's your head at with that? Yeah, I, I think people do stupid things when they're young, um, but I don't hold people accountable to those those errors forever, right? Um, else, you know, we're all screwed. Um, and I, I don't know him personally. All we see is sort of the veneer of um, a public figure, right? It's hard to know um, what's under there. But I do believe in like second chances for folks and multiple chances for folks. Um, to a degree. So that's always a tough run, right? Do you, do we punish people forever? What's, what's your take? What's my take? Yeah. Uh, gosh, nobody ever asked me what my take is on this one, to be honest <laughs> with you. I, I just ask everybody else. Um, I think, uh, and I appreciate the question. Um, I, I think that I'm, I'm surprised that he survived the last election. Uh, mm. when it, when it came out, I thought that was it. Mm. I, mm. um, have a, uh, a personal history having grown up in in um, you know really conservative circles in South Calgary and mm. uh, I take a look at some of even my past attitudes and I've tried to be really open about this with people because I think that the more that people talk about it the more that people feel comfortable to talk about their own journeys um, I would be uh, absolutely appalled if some of my past jokes 
um, and right. some of the ba- the past positions I took on things were ever made public. I would be mortified. I've, I've done a lot of growing and maturing. Um, I, I think it's healthy for me to say publicly that uh, even as a high school student and even into university, um, I told racist jokes. I perpetuated racist and misogynistic attitudes. My views on and I'm going to broaden your question in my answer, um, because once I start talking, I can't stop. Um, you know, I, my, my views on, for example, women's reproductive rights have changed dramatically over the years. And a lot of that is based on real life experience and people that I love and care about um, having conversations with me and talking about their personal journeys and um, seeking to understand. And so I understand, like I can, uh, you know, I I can uh, acknowledge and I agree with you that, you know, when you're younger, you can do really stupid things because I did really stupid things as a young man. Um, I, I, I do also acknowledge, though, that you know, the that Justin Trudeau's photos, a lot of them were for you. Like he wasn't 14. Uh, and, And so I you know, I think that that's worth noting. But but I do believe that people can change. I think that an apology is significant. Um, right. And, you know, right. I, like that's yeah, I guess that's maturity, that's, right? Yeah. Maturity. Like we grow, we get better. What you're saying, like we are not the same people we were in high school. Right. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, aren't there aren't there isn't like a clique of like mean girls walking around still, you know, in their 40s, um, you know, bullying, bullying, you know, sensitive anorexic girls. Right. We should change. We should regret the things we do um, and, and move forward from there. So, yeah, I think so. One of the things the book does early on, uh, disorientation does, is deal with this idea of like the repercussions of our behavior and this kind of cancel culture that has emerged. And people don't want to talk about race, for example, because they fear saying the wrong thing. You're on on air all all the time, right? So you you're aware of the real danger of like saying the wrong thing one day, and then boom, there goes your career, right? You know, no matter how many good things you've done in the past, it's real, right? The repercussions are real. And so I wanted to sort of um, preserve a space for civil discourse for people who are well-hearted, good-hearted, um, but may not have all of their uh, positions worked out quite. And we can still talk. We can still sort of be wrong now, but be less wrong a little bit later on. Um, and, you know, it's not all this sort of, uh, you know, cracking a whip and holding, taking people to task and canceling and all of that. That has to get dismantled, I think, for us to talk really honestly about race. Are you concerned right now at, at, at the climate around? I mean, people talk about cancel culture. And as soon as you invoke that phrase, some people will roll their eyes because they'll acknowledge, you know, in their opinion, that that's not a thing, that it doesn't exist. Other people will maintain that there's no real thing like being canceled because, you know, some of the bad actors are popping back up again. I mean, the last two, three, four years, uh, I think with not just cancel culture. I mean, me too. And black lives matter. And there's been a lot of serious discussion going on. You know, I mean, do you, do you see it as a, as a healthy trend? Well, I think the attitudes that perpetuated are not healthy. Generally, this kind of lording over somebody else and presiding over them. Um, but I think the, the instinct there or the, um, the desire for justice to be had, right? That is really commendable and respectable. And even the fiery sort of Old Testament, prof, you know, prophet kind of attitude about it is, is kind of cool sometimes. Um, but I, I think what we're also seeing is this kind of return to reputation mattering. You know, for a long time, it was just kind of, um, we're free to say and do whatever we want. But once a reputation 
the rise of social media sort of brought this return back to reputation that, you know, what image you put out there of yourself matters. And we can take down that image. We can take down um, your self-positioning. And that is, in essence, destroying you, right? Um, so reputation is back, just like it was for, like, Hester Print in the Scarlet Letter, right? It, it's back for us these days. Well, through the course of putting this book together, um, did you experience uh, anything that, that was maybe unexpected with regards to your own thought journey? Or was was there an epiphany or several of them along the way? Yeah, I mean, there, there are lots of these things that happen daily for racialized people, right? We're constantly sort of reminded that we are black or racialized in a way that I, I don't think you necessarily go through your day every day thinking I'm a white guy, a white guy. Or if you do, nobody's reminding you of it, right? Mm. Um and so disorientation really sort of addresses the fact that um, we try to live our lives as regular people. I played tennis yesterday. Um, but when the person on the next court only addresses, say, my white tennis partner, although, you know, I'm holding up my racket for him to direct the ball to me. Uh, and this goes on for an hour and a half. I'm like, what is going What's What's happening here? And the difficulty is like, do I read that as a racist incident or do i read that as he's blind in one eye and can't see that half of the court you know there are always other <laughs> other ways of like explaining what's going on right we don't often jump to the racial explanation but regardless the effort that it takes to process all of that stuff the effort to say am i wrong am i being gaslit right is, is this really happening is am i being oversensitive all of that effort burns up things that I could be doing, like practicing my second serve, you know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, we, we had, a, a, as you know, these, these comedians that were on uh, just before you and, and uh, you know, Derek Sagan's talking about Jagmeet Singh and how he believes that, you know, he's, com he's a compelling personality and, you know, a lot of people would consider voting for him except for, well, there's that, that kind of, and then he goes, well, like, I don't know if it's racism or, and then Adrian Fish jumps in and says, yeah, yeah, no, that is racism. That's, that's what that is. It's, it's people that aren't voting for him. We're, we're saying the same thing. I'm hearing it. I'm, I mean, I'm laughing because we're talking, there's nothing funny about this, but right, right, you know, right. Alberta's has municipal elections coming up a month from now. And you know, the candidate that's leading in the polls in Edmonton right now, Amarjeet Sohi, former federal minister, former city councilor, former political prisoner in India. I mean, his journey has been remarkable. I've heard people tell me to my face and not trying to shock me, just saying it so matter of factly that it kind of took a second for it to resonate with me. But they just went, you know, Amarjeet Sohi could could be a good mayor. But uh, and then they kind of get into these reasons like his accent. Right. And I'm right. going that, that the accent has nothing to do with anything. And you realize it is inherent and it is there all the Deep. time. And like you're talking about, Ian. You know, Amarjeet Sohi, I guess, in the back of his mind, I'm not speaking for him and I'm not speaking for his campaign, but does he have to campaign doubly as hard so people can envision having someone of right. Indian origin as a mayor in Canada? Like, really? Right. And the other part to this here is that um, folks think about who can represent me or mm. can someone who looks like that really stand in my place? You know, it's one thing to, you know, send your daughter uh, to, you know, sign a paper for you or to represent you at the bank or whatever. Um, but do you want this face to be your representative on a global scale? Do you actually feel connected? Do you actually feel this person is Canadian enough um, to stand in for the country or the province or what have you? Um, and so we get brush up against these expectations of what a national face looks like, um, what a Canadian face looks like. Um, and when you travel around, when I travel around and I say I'm Canadian, but I'm in Asia or Europe or whatever, 
Um, the the first idea of a Canadian is a, a white person, right? But the first idea of an, an American might be white, but they perceive they believe a black person, right? There's a lot of sort of export of black culture in America, but in Canada we still have a kind of white idea about what it means to to be Canadian. Was this? I mean, so when you when you sit down or when when you get the idea to write disorientation, uh, being black in the world, this is we should clarify. It's a series of essays, correct? Which is a yeah, little, little yeah, bit. Of, they little, hold together as a book, but they're, they're yeah, essays, yeah. But sort of a bit of a, a unique and different structure. When when you sat down, um, putting pen to paper. Was was this like years and years of your personal experience coming out? I mean, was the book almost in a way written between your ears before it was out? (laughs) It's it's funny because I was having a lot of these conversations last last year um, in my head and I didn't want to have them publicly because they were so messy publicly. Hmm. But then I realized they're actually really messy internally too, right? So there's very little difference between what's happening out there in the world and what's happening here. Um, it's been happening for a long time, but to organize my thinking around the subject and to also try to relate to somebody, to talk to somebody like respectfully about the subject um, and passionately, um, that was a real challenge. And also the personal and that political, right? So how to sort of, um, bring in big ideas about what it means to look like a Canadian um, and also um, the personal experience of what it means to be the only black guy in your class year after year after year. Black folks can study chemistry too. You know, um, what's going on here? Why are we always not here? So, yeah, it was, it, it was interesting. Like the, the black lives matter movement, um, mm. uh, you know, it was, it was certainly the, the murders of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. I think that, that certainly, uh, although, I mean, you look at the numbers of, of uh, you know, black people, in particular black men shot by police or involved in police incidents. I mean, G- George Floyd's uh, resonated with people because I think of the graphic nature of how he was choked out. The fact that it was over a series of time that it occurred on video in front of witnesses over a prolonged period of time. I mean, there was there were so many things, I think, that 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 elevated George Floyd to to the status of of, of inspiring through his death, tragically, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but inspiring yeah. so many people to take action and to demonstrate and to insist that Black Lives Matter and people from all different backgrounds. And it was fascinating for me. And I, and I want to if if we if you would honor us with with walking a mile in your shoes to know what it was like for you, because I think mm. there were dueling or parallel conversations in Canada. Number one, uh, black Canadians and others saying we've got our own issues here. Uh, you know, and we've got things we need to talk about. And there were significant rallies. I mean, we attended a, a, a demonstration in Edmonton with about 15,000 people. But at the same time, Canadians that that kind of give our nation a pass and that look down and, and, and sort of thumb our nose at the Americans and all the messes that they have to clean up down there while kind of ignoring our own backyard. Right, right. I mean, we've had this for a while, right? The kind of moral superiority that we have. Uh, over over Americans because we need something right like how do you how do you compete with that um, but I mean the experience of blackness is so varied right the dominant one that we see all the time is this African American experience right we constantly get these these exports of blackness in America but then what does it mean to be black um, in the suburb of Brampton say where you're not being shot at, you're not dodging bullets, you're living a pretty middle-class life. What form does racism take there? Is it as violent as as, um, dealing with gun violence? Um, And so the book kind of explores all of these subtle and insidious kinds of ways that race permeates 
the black life, right? Is it a racist thing to constantly keep asking someone where they're from um, and only the racialized people, but never the white folks? White folks come from other places too, right? You know, there are Irish folks around and uh, German folks and Ukrainian folks and all that. Um, but they don't don't warrant the question. So there are forms that we see as kind of permissible here. Um, and we don't call it racist. We call it curiosity. We call it whatever else we want to call it. Um, but they actually do need to be examined, right? Why do I constantly want to amplify this person's difference and uh, neglect uh, someone else's? Why am I setting myself uh, as the standard and someone else as the exotic other? You know, those kinds of things, right? Where's the center? Where's the margin? How long does this person have to stay on the margin? Who brings them in? Who keeps them out? Who polices that border? So many things happening. Um, but because there are no guns involved, it's like go to an action movie, right? <laughs> There's no shootouts or anything like that. Um, but in Canada, if racism is a movie, it's more like a slow drama, mm. you know? <laughs> so when you, uh, I, I've never, uh, <laughs> I mean, to state the obvious, I've never released a book. I've certainly never won a Giller Prize, um, let alone for, for a first novel. I want to ask you about that in a bit. That's just absolutely remarkable. Mm. But when you, when you put out a piece that, that, I mean, this book that goes out tomorrow, it's, I mean, extremely personal, obviously, in a way. And, and, and also, I, I would imagine that, you know, you're, you're looking at the audience of, of a nation and beyond. But ultimately, when you put out a book, who do you hope picks it up? Like, who do you really hope reads the book? And, and do you release a book with an intended outcome? Or is that too? Do I not understand how the mind of an author works? No, no, that's that's a that's a cool question, actually. So with the novel, for instance, I was hoping for an unlikely audience for for reproduction that won the girl. I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool if some like 15 year old boy could pick up this book and say, you know, hey, um, this is actually pretty interesting. This kind of looks like me a little bit. Um, this guy, guy in the book is pretty cool um, for poetry. I kind of hope something similar, which is like someone who thinks they hate poetry. They come to the book and they're like, this is more like a puzzle or I'm actually enjoying engaging with this um, than I am. It's not what I thought it was in high school. Right. I don't have to like circle the metaphors and highlight the similes. Right. Um, but for uh, this book, actually, the audience shifted and I wanted to speak really directly to um, like a like minded person who might be slightly afraid of the whole subject. Um, and is afraid of the consequences of being wrong. Um, and uh, that person, um, I think, is out there coming to racial awareness, right? Um, and not quite sh sure knowing where to begin and how to start and how to engage. Um, that person is who I hope to talk to. Hmm. How did, when when you found out that you'd won the, the Scotiabank Giller Prize, which hmm. for, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but that like that's like the literary award in canada right i mean that is um, that is the award to win it's a pretty big deal it's pretty swanky it's yeah. a huge <laughs> it's a huge deal and you win it for your first novel does it scare the shit out of you to start writing another book after winning a Giller prize for your first? I'd be inclined to just walk off and retire like you're not you're gonna win back to back how do you do it Right, right. So, you know, like as a writer, you get used to failure so much. <laughs> you get used to like, you know, there were more prizes that I did not win than, than I actually won. So, uh, you know, I wake up in the morning, I go to my desk 
And, you know, I don't write better sentences because of the Giller. The Giller doesn't like pump my sentences. It pumped my bank account quite a bit, right? But it doesn't pump my sentences better with like, you know, meaning and stuff. So the work remains the same. The challenges remain the same. I didn't suddenly build a, a big muscle over, over the Giller Prize. Um, but it does actually liberate me. It actually makes me feel very free um, to kind of swing away and write whatever I want. So quite the opposite, right? Um, less hustling and more just kind of... Um, you know, writing and comfort. Yeah. 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 I wonder, I think of someone like uh, maybe Adrian Brody is a bad example. And, uh, you know, but, but you think of these, what these happened to him. Like, yeah. Well, but, but you know what maybe happened to him is like, maybe he's just doing projects that he really cares about now that aren't just the big, huge blockbusters. I think when you win notable awards early in your career, or relatively early in your, I just, I wonder if maybe right, it kind of, right. like you said, now you can just write what you want. Do whatever um, you want. It's like Halle Berry, she won the Oscar and then she made like Catwoman, right? That movie afterwards, right? So I'll make a cat Catwoman project and then Well let's on. let's point out that on Wednesday, uh five days ago, it was announced that the Writers Trust uh, released its five titles nominated for the Hillary Weston Writers Trust Prize for Nonfiction. It's a, a $60,000 person, of course, uh, the prestige that comes along with it, recognizing a work of nonfiction by a Canadian writer. And congratulations on disorientation uh, winding up on the shortlist. That's got to be a nice little boost five, six days that before is. the book comes out. <laughs> that is, that is. You get the sense like, oh, will anybody want to read about this subject? And then you're like, oh, actually... Seems like people are ready for it, right? So, well, yeah, it's a bit it? of confirmation. Yeah, doctor, do you get a sense that that Canadians are are open to conversations on on what it's like being black in yeah. the world? I mean, like, let me, let me put this tweet in front of you. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is election day. You know, millions of Canadians will vote today. This one from uh, a palliative care physician, as a matter of fact, out of Mississauga, Ontario, tweeted this over the weekend, just yesterday. In fact, uh, Dr. Amit Arya uh, says, reminder, the Conservative Party of Canada's 160 page election platform does not include the words race, racism, Islamophobia, anti-Semitism or black. What does that tell you about where Canadians are at with regards to expectations? Right. This this sense that it's just a kind of invisible thing that doesn't affect um, the powerful or the meaningful people in this country or the voters who in this country. Um, and I think that kind of thing will backfire more and more, especially as millennials age into it. Right. And millennials start sort of um, wielding um, more than cultural power, but economic and, and, and political power, too. Um, that's just how does that happen these days, except with the mindset um of this is not an issue or this is not real. So, hmm. um, yeah. I I want to I want to thank you for making time for us today. Uh, to circle back, I hope this doesn't sound weird. I just uh, you and I have never had a chance to talk before. Um, obviously, oh. your CV is is impressive, and so I was looking forward to this conversation anyway. But something small that you did, which is asking me for my opinion on the blackface <laughs> stuff. Uh, I'm serious. I mean, I've covered it for two years. I was, you know, for me, this is kind of a strange, this is a strange federal election for me. This is our first federal election as an independent grassroots startup media organization. I was on the national yeah. desk in Toronto two years ago, uh, for that covering that federal election. And no one really like, I guess I'm just going to cut to the chase here as a privileged upper middle class white guy. Uh, you, you don't comment on the blackface stuff because it's not your wheelhouse. And quite frankly, you understand the, and I don't want to say the wrong thing here in the sense that I do understand the importance of elevating hey. and amplifying the voices that matter most. But, and I don't hey. even know if you did it 
consciously or intentionally or not. But the fact that you asked me what I think about it in, in us having a conversation here that a lot of people are going to hear, that means a lot to me. White folks have a stake in all of this too, right? Like we're, we're sharing this country together, right? We're all sort of your opinion matters. My opinion matters. It all, it all matters. So yeah. And I also hope you have a cigarette too. <laughs> kidding. Well, you know what? I mean, I'll tell you the truth is that I I wanted to find something to spark up when Derek was. And and I've got this big fat joint here the whole time. But (laughs) but I thought I've got a Giller Prize winning author coming on right after. And I can't do the interview stone. So I better not. So uh, I'll have something to smoke after the show, doctor. In the meantime, in all seriousness, uh, I think that the subject matter of your book is so important. I have no doubt it'll achieve bestseller status right out of the gates. Um, We're thrilled that you agreed to talk to us today. Congratulations on this new work and your new gig, by the way, at the U. Sounds very cool. Thanks so much, Ryan. I hope we talk again. This was a real pleasure. Oh, I promise we will. Uh, That's Dr. Ian Williams. Uh, He is a Scotiabank Giller Prize winner. Uh, That for his novel, Reproduction, uh, won the 2019 Scotiabank Giller Prize and his new book out tomorrow, Disorientation, uh, Being Black in the World by Dr. Ian Williams. Are you going to light it up or what? Doobie? Yeah. I've never... never Smoked a doobie live on the show before. <laughs> it's legal. Yeah, it is legal. Um, <laughs> I don't see why I wouldn't. Um, doesn't seem like he would have minded at all. No. But uh, what I, you know what I mean? Like just the spirit of that. Where he's like, what do you think? And, and this is what, what have we been hearing through the course of the show today? You know, Paul Brandt, the country star saying, I, you know, I, an Alberta doctor, which was, by the way, such weird wording. An Alberta doctor told me uh, people were writing in saying, like, what kind of doctor? Was it, was it a vet? Was it an honorary doctorate? Like a diatrist? Was it Theo Fleury? Um, somebody, you know, but, but, uh, you know, but then what happened is, uh, you know, a physician out of Saskatchewan uh, jumps in and says, you know, I, I, you know, I'm a virologist in Saskatoon and I'm telling you that you do need to get vaccinated. And then they end up having a great Zoom call. Obviously, we didn't witness it. We weren't privy to it, but it sounds like they had a great conversation and they talked it out and who knows where that winds up and whether or not Paul Brandt gets vaccinated. But uh, I would imagine that it'll go a long way with regards to him understanding the power of his. Paul Brandt is not an idiot. And I, I and I still have I, I've really liked Paul Brandt for a long time and I do not want to dislike him. So do you? Uh, well, and I'm no, I don't dislike. Him. I mean, I just I, like I said, out of the gates, I was just disappointed. I was mm-hmm. like, why would you do that? You know, as, as, as people are, you know, you say I, he, he, he did what Derek said in our in our panel with the comedians, you know, and, and uh, you know, Derek Sagan's going, um, I'm not an anti-vaxxer and I'm not vaccine hesitant. I'm just hesitant to get the vaccine. Well, OK, and that's fine. And you understand that to a certain degree. Vaccination, uh, vaccine hesitancy is a thing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, these conversations that we have, these open minded conversations and we've been talking about this through the show, I think are really important. Um, you look at some of the indigenous leaders we've had on the show and some of the the spirit that they've taken in the context of reconciliation, having open conversations, that there is no such thing as a dumb question, that we we meet in a spirit of of, of seeking to understand. And I know that I say that all the time uh, because I think that it's important and it's an important uh, premise to hold. I couldn't be more impressed with Dr. Ian Williams. So congratulations to him on his new book. We wanted to let you know, Real Talkers, that we are keeping an eye on a Twitter thread uh, that came out over the weekend. It it actually went nuts on uh, Sunday afternoon from a fellow by the name of Peter Skinner. 
Uh, he tweets at Rogue Nerd One, and he claimed to be sitting in on a Zoom meeting uh, with 19 different constituencies, 11 MLAs discussing co-signing a letter of non-confidence against the premier. Um, we're working to verify this. It's on our radar. We will be talking about it tomorrow uh, as we continue to gather facts. We want you to know that credibility is extremely important to us here on the show. And so we're going to reserve comment on that until we have a better understanding of what actually happened there and confirmation of it. You know, you can always be in touch with us in confidence to talk at ryanjesperson.com. You can hit me up on Twitter as well in our official Twitter account for the show at Real Talk RJ. Our friends at Local Waste want to remind you that Trash Talk is coming up again at the end of this week. It's a short week, so Trash Talk is going to be coming up on Thursday. The show is taking Friday and Monday off, so Thursday will be the return of Trash Talk. If you got something you want to get off your mind, maybe you're going to wait and see how this election goes before you compose your email to us. It's presented each and every week by the team that's been keeping it local for 25 years. Family-owned construction, commercial, and residential waste and recycling collection. You can go onto their website right now at localwaste.ca to request a quote. If you're a business owner, sure but also maybe you have a a house that's maybe you're doing just a big huge fall cleanup in the yard maybe you're purging the basement i keep saying that because that's what we're doing right now and you wind up you need like you think you're gonna get rid of it in moving boxes and garbage cans Uh uh-uh you need a bin and you can find them from local waste at localwaste.ca our friends at park power are your local and again family-owned friendly utilities provider You can choose where you get your electricity, natural gas, and internet. And today on their website, you can compare rates to see what would be the best fit for you in your neck of the woods. Park Power donates 10% of their electricity profits to nonprofits in the community. You can learn more again on the website, parkpower.ca. The promo code 2021-REALTALK gets you $70 off your first bill. And our friends at Eden Landscaping are wrapping up their summer projects. They've been bringing outdoor spaces to life all summer long. And for the last two decades, Mike and his team spend their fall, winter, and into the early spring working with clients on taking Pinterest boards and pages ripped out of magazines and turning them into blueprints for reinvented spaces. If you're keeping an eye on maybe what the neighbors are doing or you saw something on a TV show, maybe one of those home improvement shows that really caught your eye, make note of it and then reach out to Eden Landscaping by way of landscapeedmonton.ca. They can work with your ideas and make them happen and they don't leave until you are satisfied. That's their guarantee. It's Eden Landscaping. Well, every Monday, or at least the first show of every week, our friends at Kubi Energy collaborate with us to get us started off. The week started on the right foot. It's something we call and look forward to positive reflections. This from Michael. We loved it because it's a little bit different. He sent us an email and said, this is good news. He says, I know there's a lot going on everywhere at the moment and the elections are underway. And at times it can feel like there's tire fires burning all around. So I thought I'd pass this along. It may not be much in the grand picture, but it's good news. He says, check out this tweet from the CEO of Rivian. This is EVs, production pickup electric vehicles rolling off the line. Michael says, I know it's small, but having these out in the world is a huge step to changing the attitudes of that market. The pickup truck owners. 
The Rivian pickups are coming off the assembly line. I told you about the Jeep Wrangler E's that are already available. It sure wouldn't say Albert Dodge, by the way. And, of course, that Ford F-150 Lightning everybody's talking about. Michael, the only thing I disagree with you on is that I think this is a big deal. I think it's a huge deal. We're going to start seeing fleets. We're going to see oil sands companies. We're going to see all the standard sort of, you know, textbook pickup customers going to EVs, and I think that that's going to have a massive impact moving forward. Later this week, we're going to talk about whether or not EVs actually are the most effective way to cut emissions or whether we should look to synthetic fuels. That's coming up a little bit later on this week right here on Real Talk. And I wanted to tell a personal story. Typically, we want to leave positive reflections to you. We want to hear Real Talkers stories of random acts of kindness and people paying it forward. On Friday, after the show, I went to the post office. I had to drop something off, had to put something in the mail. And behind me, I hear the voice of a woman who says, "Um, excuse me, are you all right? Are you okay? Are you feeling okay? And I turn around as another woman, elderly, is leaning on a shopping cart and says, I'm just, I'm feeling a little faint. I am feeling a little weak today. Thank you for asking. And so this lady who I I later learned her name is Sue says, well, I used to live in Ecuador. And she says there's a culture there that does not allow seniors or the vulnerable to stand in line. She says they just don't tolerate it. And she says, I'd like you to go ahead of me. And I said, well, of course, I'd like you to go ahead of me. And then the guy in front of me said, well, you just go ahead of me. And this lady fast tracked right to the front of the line. She mailed what she had to mail, thanked everybody and shuffled off. And then me and my new friend Sue had a conversation about changing culture and the ripple effect and taking positivity and infusing it into people's days. She'd never heard a real talk. We'd never met before. And she promised me she'd be watching today. So Sue, thanks for brightening that Ladies Friday. Thanks for reminding me of where our priorities need to be. Thank you for being the positive reflection that Friday at the post office. You can send us your stories just like that to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Make sure you note positive reflections. Coming up tomorrow on the show, we'll tell you and analyze as much as we can based on the federal election results. Our team of pundits will kick off with my good pal, Supriya Duvetti, joining me out of the gates. We always want to hear from you. You can be in touch with us. And of course, our new question of the week is up at ryanjesperson.com. We'll get into the results of last week's tomorrow. Make it a great Monday, friends. Get out and vote, and we'll talk to you soon. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, editorial producer Sarah Hoyles, technical producer Sam Brooks, managing director Josh Dunford, account coordinator Tanya Franklin, merchandise operations Katie Cook-Chivers, website design Mike Johnston, voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Supriya Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Julie Rohr, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Salto, and Nakota Sioux, home to Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is the flagship property of Relay Communications Group Incorporated. All rights reserved. For more, check out ryanjesperson.com.